Good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. Griffin, of course, is here and back in studio with us after a week away. He is our friend Stan the Fan Charles, the chief grand poobah here at Pressbox. We need his mic on for sure. And then go ahead and bring that music down a little bit more if you don't mind, please, Griffin. Thank you, sir. You can let it fade. You don't have to. You can let it fade. It's okay. <laughs> How you doing, guys? I am all right. It's been a busy week for you. I know you've been out and about letting yep. people get the new print issue of Press Box, which is available right now. Larger than life, Mark Andrews on the cover. can pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. This really, it's not as nearly as sort of sophisticated art as we used to get with Brad Meerholtz, who did like about, uh, you know, the first 230 covers of PressBox or something like that. But this is this one really pops in the uh, street box. I like that. I love the picture. I, lo- I love the purple-white, you know, against the Dolphin, uh, the Charger white uniforms and uh it just that title came to me and it ended up fitting uh fitting what Bo Smolka did in the story it's a great story I, I don't know that everybody I think a lot of people are familiar with, of course Mark Andrews fight against diabetes but I don't know that a lot of people know like that Mark Andrews was not always going to play football and it was a late decision for him to decide to exclusively play football in college and you know, it was behind the eight ball a, a little bit. Badminton player. Yes, correct. That was that was going to be his path. He was going to make the pro tour. Yep. I think um, might have converted to pickleball at some point. <laughs> might have been a natural may. natural yeah. progression for him. I think Dennis Pitta's playing pickleball. I mean, I, well, if his hip is still cooperating, unfortunately, I'm yeah. not sure where tennis is injury wise because uh, he went through a lot. What's I'm good? just alluding to the fact that a lot of seniors... Yes, correct, as you as you get older... And he's only about 38, probably. But he might have the hip of about a 68-year-old, yeah. unfortunately, at this yeah. point. Um, all you pickleball creeps taking up my tennis courts, by the way. I'm still not over it. It bothers me a great deal. I, I, there's a, an elementary school down the street from my house, and I'll show up on a Sunday morning with a buddy of mine to play tennis, and all of a sudden, 100 pickleball players will show up. You might and have to join a tennis club. It's well, I might. hundred It's incredibly awkward because like they can't kick me off the court, but there's a lot more of them than there are of us, and like we just feel they're, they're clearly just sitting there, like looking at the, how how long are you gonna be here? How long how long are you gonna <laughs> you gonna you gonna be here long? You gonna be here much longer? Much 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 longer? I hear God. you should challenge hear, all of them. I hear. Uh, I hear, what tennis or pickleball? Like if you beat me in tennis, you can have the courts for your yeah. pickleball. Yeah, I, I hear Kevin Byrne has turned into. I, like I a wouldn't champion, surprise me at all. Level would not. He was player. a big racquetball player, yep. so that would yes, not surprise was. me one bit. I hear he's taking winning a lot of money down in South Carolina. I believe every. I believe a hundred a hundred percent. I believe that's all the true. Late fifties and sixty year olds. Yeah. Oh, you think I can't hang? Yeah. You think I can't hang? Let me he's show a hustler. you what Kevin I, Byrne I is. I believe a that. All right, uh, Stan's here. Coming up in a bit, uh, our friend. I feel like Tim Kirkshen spent time with, um, spent more time with us than his family this month. Did you have him on? I too? had him on after the Hall of Fame. On. You had him on, and now he's coming back on today as uh, ESPN wanted us to promote the uh, so, Little League Classic coming so up on Sunday. So am I out now? What's You're that? You're going to start having Tim on regularly? Yeah, he'll be my, he'll be my Friday regular. <laughs> Sorry. No offense, Stan. He's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. He's in the Hall of Fame. Hey, I'm you're, in the you're Hall a good of, guy. I'm in the Hall of Shame. It's very similar. <laughs> very similar. Um, uh, so Tim will join us in a little bit. Of course, the Orioles and Red Sox will play in Williamsport on Sunday night 
as uh, part of uh, Little League World Series festivities. The Little League World Classic is back this year, and it will be exclusively on ESPN. So we'll talk to him about that. Later on, my old buddy Dan Minucci from uh, Fox Sports 910 out in Phoenix. The Ravens and Cardinals play on Sunday night as well. It's unbelievable to me that like the first Orioles game in five years to be on a Sunday night. And there's a Ravens game going on at the same time. Like the oh, Ravens geez, have never, I didn't think of they've that. never played a preseason game on a Sunday night. Like it just all happened to align. The that's good the news for folks is nobody's going to play. Uh, you would assume. You would. Assume. We know Lamar is not playing, yeah. but uh, who else might play? I'm not sure. Yeah. But we'll uh, preview the Cardinals with our uh, my old friend Dan Minucci, former NFL quarterback and a host on Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix. Um, Stan, a lot to get to with you. Let me. I guess let's start. Oh gosh, I don't know which way I want to start. Everybody in town is raging about this thing that Steve Young said on ESPN yesterday. Yeah, I just heard. I didn't know he said it yesterday. I just heard it with you for a minute. Um, Because the Orioles are a bit unpleasant at the moment, maybe we'll start here, and then we'll get to the Orioles before Kirkson joins us. Uh, I had Griffin uh, uh, pull it. This is from ESPN Hall of Famer Steve Young. Um, in a conversation about Lamar Jackson, because he, you know, I don't know if you heard, he still doesn't have a contract. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware. Nobody really seems to be talking about that. It's very odd. Uh, Steve Young is asked about Lamar Jackson and sort of seems to defend him, but go after the Ravens. And some people are taking it as criticism of Lamar, too. It's all over the place. It's, um, it's a fairly long clip, but let's listen into it and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Robert, you set me up perfectly because the Baltimore Ravens have doubled down again on being the most un- being the most sophisticated running game in football, and they have been mowing through regular season opponents for a long time with this most sophisticated running game. My position is they will never get to championship football without a sophisticated passing game. That's not anything to do with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a complete player that is being not trained in being a sophisticated passer. They doubled down again back to all the great things that Lamar does, great. But until he gets the chance to show that he is a sophisticated passer of the football in a sophisticated passing game that is properly you know, invested in, which, we never ha- which they never have done to Robert's point just a minute ago, they don't invest in it, they don't teach it, and now you ask them, why isn't he getting paid to be Patrick Mahomes? Because they haven't given him a chance to be Patrick Mahomes. So until they do, Lamar Jackson's damned because of what the Ravens are doing, not because of Lamar Jackson. Damn. I can't wait for someone to train Lamar Jackson in a sophisticated passing game. I think he'd be the greatest player in the history of the game. Yeah. But he keeps getting – he's being held back by the Ravens year after year because they keep doubling down to this thing that Lamar Jackson is great at. No question. He's, he's the best at that. Yeah. But it's not the championship football that they need to play, and it's not where Lamar Jackson wants to be. I want the full measure, Robert, of yeah. who Lamar Jackson is. And the full measure is not being brought forward by the Ravens. And if that's not the case, then get out and find someone who will. So, uh, you have seven fingers up, Stan. I'm, I'm, what was that all? What, why do you have seven he fingers used, in the air? He used the word sophisticated. He's all in on sophisticated. Yeah. He's yeah. really committed to sophisticated, yeah. which is... Um, Stan and I had a I had a theory before, and Stan's probably right about this. I'm, I don't think he purposely did it this way. Yeah. I think it's convenient to use a term like that because it's undefinable. Right. I, I think it's always convenient to use undefinable terms to try to back up your opinion because you can constantly move the goalpost no matter what evidence is presented. So it was presented by a few people who really do dive into film and say, you know, the Greg Roman offense actually has all of the passing concepts of right. every other offense that you're talking about. 
Well, yeah, but it's not sophisticated. Well, what, is, what does that define, mean? What, is, what does that mean? Well, it's impossible yeah. to define. And to yeah. your point, yes, it's probably more likely that given the number of hits that Steve Young took, because he was a running quarterback yeah. that did not have the elusiveness of Lamar Jackson, that his brain is probably not working on such the level that he's going three steps down the road to say, let right. me come up with a term. I'd like to hear his definition of what a sophisticated But you, but you and I both know he couldn't yeah. define it, right? Yeah. Like he couldn't possibly define what it is that he's saying. And the other thing that jumps out at me about Steve Young, so this is why it's so fascinating to me, Stan, because every time there is a criticism of Greg Roman or the Ravens' offense from anyone who's played the game, there are a group of Ravens fans that are very loud that, that say, well, this is proof. This is proof that this doesn't work. And for some reason, we've gotten to a point where ex-television personality's opinion seems to matter more than what they did on the football field. And, you know, the fact that for whatever you feel about Greg Roman, and I want to make this abundantly clear, I'm not even a huge Greg Roman fan. I understand that. Like, he put together the greatest offense in Ravens history. There's no debating this. There's no, but Gary Kubiak was better. I like Gary Kubiak. I think he put together a hell of an offense in 2014. It wasn't as good. There's one thing that's unquestionable, undebatable. You can't, I can't say sophisticated seven times in order to try to, to hand ring it. Greg Roman put together the greatest offense in the history of the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm constantly confused as to why that matters less than Steve Smith has an opinion, than Steve Young, who I ask Steve Young anything about how the Ravens lost in the playoffs three times. Do you think there's any chance that Steve Young knows anything about the three playoff games the Ravens have lost under Lamar Jackson? Do you think he could name the opponent? that they lost to. You think you could name anything about those three games whatsoever? I do not. I don't think there's a chance in hell. I think Steve Young, because his job is to go on TV and say things, knows the Ravens run the ball a lot and they haven't won a Super Bowl, so I'm going to say there's a correlation between those two things. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit mystifying to me. You know, I mean, at the core of all this is why the Ravens have been so under Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman have been so unsuccessful in those playoff games. You know, the one against the, the Chargers, the one against the And admittedly, the Bills that, that's and the, the, the Chargers one is the one that stands out for yeah. the style of offense was a prop. They had a very limited offense at that point because we remember Lamar Jackson had played all of eight games in the NFL. Right. They had an extraordinarily limited offense that they had in place, and when they fell behind, they weren't prepared. Now, the ironic part about that day is that everybody forgets that they actually still end up coming back and getting the ball with a chance to go down and win the game. Yeah. Like we, the, the game, I think, that sticks in everybody's craw is the game against Tennessee when they had that home game, and we saw virtually a repeat of what had happened against the Chargers. With, with the irony of the Tennessee game being the plays worked, Mark Andrews dropped the football 100 times. The, the plays, the calls against Tennessee were not the problem. They worked, in fact, the execution. It, it was the execution that was the issue. But you only know that if you watch the game, if you talk about it here, if it's something that you've been... There's no way that Steve Young has any clue. He probably knows Mark Andrews is a great football player. And if he was told, hey, Mark Andrews is the reason why they lost the playoff game against the Titans, he would say, that's crazy. Mark Andrews is a great football player. Because we all know that. But we all remember Mark Andrews stunk that night. It was horrible 
on that particular night to the point where we were having lengthy conversations in town about whether or not Mark Andrews was a liability in big games. And I think last year you got to give the whole club a bit of a pass because of those injuries. I mean, I mean that sophisticated running game he had right. was strewn together the, rather quickly. Just they had like, no backs. It, you know, they, yes. did, they had serviceable they had like three serviceable guys none of them really knew the offense that well so I, I think the amount of help that Jackson had last year and I again point to the fact that they were hurt by the fact that Bateman wasn't really ready when the season no started. question you know he was not a lot of practice time with Lamar uh, which is what's frustrating about Lamar not doing the OTAs this year you know uh, all of that stuff uh, because Bateman and and Lamar have got to click. That has got to work for on this team. For certain people, Stan, and I've said this ad, ad nauseum, there will there will always be a group of people that just choose to hate the offensive coordinator, and it's just the way it's going to go, and we've yeah. known this forever. Like, it does not matter who it... Jim Caldwell in 2012 walked on water because he came in, replaced Cam Cameron, and led the Ravens to a Super Bowl. Until the next year. And a year later, (laughs) everyone wanted him out of town immediately. The moment we heard that he was up for a head coaching job, everyone in town was ready to go help him pack to get rid of him. A year removed. Mm -hmm. A year removed from him walking on water because he was the one that replaced Cam Cameron, who was the previous guy that we hated. And while Gary Kubiak came in... Who was the one we hated back, way back when? Uh, uh, Kavanaugh? Ka- Matt Kavanaugh? Yeah, Matt 100% Kavanaugh. was yeah. ex- extraordinarily hated in town. And I get it. Like Their offenses were not good. Like I'm not trying to argue with that. Um, I, there's always a percentage of people that feel that way. I feel like there's a secondary percentage of people, Stan that are just trying to get reassurance that the Ravens can win a Super Bowl. They, the, the question of whether or not they will, no one can answer that. But they genuinely, in their heart of hearts, have convinced themselves, no matter what, no matter what statistics it puts up, no matter what, this can't win a Super Bowl. And the reason why they say that is simply because it hasn't, right? Like, that's what that's all they have. Now, they might be quickly reminded, hey, Greg Roman was the coordinator in San Francisco. And if, when they went to and, the if Bowl. and if Jimmy Smith gets called for holding in the end zone there, then they probably win the Super Bowl at that point. So can it win a Super Bowl? Well, I guess we don't have definitive proof because they didn't, but they came a play away from winning a Super Bowl with a Greg Roman offense and Colin Kaepernick as quarterback, right. who I don't think any of us believe is as good as Lamar Jackson. So Certainly I, not today. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not available, unfortunately, <laughs> right now. I mean, he's available, but nobody's given him the opportunity. Right. So when I when I ask this question, like, the, I, I don't, I genuinely don't know what your answer is. Do you believe the Ravens? Not will they, because it's very difficult to do. But can they win a Super Bowl doing this? I, I'm a believer that they can, uh, and I think that the the drafting of two more tight ends. It gives you an indication of whatever sophistication there is in his passing game. It involves great usage of tight ends. Mm-hmm. And I think Greg Roman was hamstruck by the uh, Nick Boyle's mm-hmm. injury last mm-hmm. year. Um, and uh, I think Hayden Hurst wasn't there. Hayden Hurst yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be – I'm looking forward to seeing this offense this year. You know, uh, the one thing I've had people perking up telling me that they're really concerned about this contract situation with Lamar. I'm not that concerned about it. You know, the last time we had a quarterback 
going into a season like this was Joe Flacco's Super Bowl right. season. Right, yeah, it worked you out know, okay. It worked yeah. out okay. Worked out Would okay. I like to see them sign a seven- or ten-year contract with Lamar Jackson? I'd probably, just like just like with Chris Davis, I wish we could give him $50 million a year, but for five years, right. not nine or right. ten but it's years. Not an, it doesn't work that The I system know. doesn't work that I know. way, right? I like, know. this is – and I, 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 I hear you. Yeah. Um, and, and, by the way, twofold, because I, I, I think that I'm with you. I think my belief is that it can. I think there's a small margin for error. But I think the, the more confounding thing – is why so many people are so hell-bent on the Ravens doing something different. And I've never really under... This thing works. To what extent it works, I, I don't know. Because, again, I can't tell you if the Ravens are going to win a Super Bowl or not. But I know that it works. Because, again, save for last year, when still, despite everything, they won eight of their first... Ele- like They were humming along yeah, right. at yep. one point until at some point everything... The dam just broke. Yep. There was only so much they could withstand. But they were still playing very well despite losing half of their roster to injury so a save for last year we know it works why are we so hell-bent on trying to find out if something else might work instead which is inherently the best argument you can make for why you would go away from this well yeah this works but maybe something else could work too I look, we're in 2022. I remember what the first black quarterback that started on uh, Monday Night Football was Jefferson uh, uh, Gilliam. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. Jefferson Street Gilliam, Joe wow. Gilliam Joe of the Gilliam. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. I think there's a little bit of race involved. There's, there's with no this, question that, that you have a lot of the fan base, including African Americans, that question whether Lamar can do it in the big moments. And I think, you know, I, I think he can, um, but, you know, until it, it happens. It's an interesting thing, Stan, because I feel like it's a little bit, I think there are people that question Lamar. I think there's a lot of people that question Greg Roman. And and it's, it's hey, man, I love Lamar. I just think that he needs to have somebody else that's that's in his ear. Oh, okay, uh, uh, I hear you. But again, t- tell me how we know that's going to work. Yeah. I, th- I think the world of Lamar, I think Lamar could absolutely succeed in a lot of systems. What I do know is that I would never want to limit as a runner because he has an extraordinary talent that nobody else has, and we now have all of the data that we didn't have five years ago when we were saying, hey, well, you can't have your quarterback run all that much. He's going to get hurt. We've got the data. The running quarterbacks don't get hurt more than passing quarterbacks do. They don't. We know. We have – it's. It's like how we denied all the baseball data for a long time and pretended like it wasn't real because it didn't fit with what we knew about growing up and then finally had to wake up one day and say, oh, no, I actually, like getting on base is it, it just as important as anything else. Look, defensive coordinators got a chance to, that first season to see Lamar, you know, when he played, what did he start that year, eight or nine games when Joe got hurt that first year? Yes. They, they watched him. The Chargers came up with a game plan that didn't allow him out of you know Correct. the elusiveness that he had, and then other defensive coordinators saw that, and it's it's going to get tougher on him. It's it's like in baseball, if you keep hitting a curveball, they're going to stop throwing you curveballs. You know? Sure, but ironically, after like they put that on film, the Ravens had the greatest offensive season in yep. the history of offense the following year. In the regular the, season, right? In the regular season, again. Look, it's again. When you get to the playoffs, you're playing the big surprise. You're playing the best teams in the National Football League. And given the fact that they can really hone in on what Lamar did, they 
confused and confounded him a little bit. But I, I agree with you. That Tennessee game, that was the one game where it was all about execution. It wasn't about how sophisticated it was. We marched down the field on him. Correct. But they just continually had penalties, missteps, you an know. Absurd number of drops. Yeah. There is a video of the drops that, like, exists on YouTube for everybody to go back. and It was, you could argue it was Lamar Jackson's finest hour. It's just that despite the fact that there'd be a drop the play before, he'd come back on third and long and put the ball right on a spot and still not find success. It was infuriating, but there's just no way that Steve Young or Steve Smith or anyone who wasn't there and watching actually knows what happens or remembers. They might have seen that on Monday morning. They might have woken up that Monday morning and been like, hey, yeah, I watched the game. But those guys dropped the ball. But three months later, they don't remember the same way that you and I couldn't remember. We couldn't even tell you who played in the divisional playoffs a year ago. We don't. We know the Rams did. We know the Bengals did. Well, that's not true. We all remember the Chiefs-Bills game. We yeah, remember yeah. basically everything about the Chiefs-Bills game because it's one of the most memorable games in NFL history. But outside of that game, we couldn't tell you anything about what happened in the divisional playoffs a year ago because why would we remember that? In what way would it stick out? There's no way that Steve Young, in trying to define why the Ravens haven't won a championship yet, could have any clue of how many balls were dropped against the Titans. It's way easier to say, well, it's the fault of the passing scheme. It's the fault of of Greg Roman because he's not there to have the conversation about what actually occurred in the game. If you're someone that is on the other side, make your argument to me. Make your argument, but if the argument is just, well, Steve Young and Steve Smith and Kurt Warner have said these things, I, talk to me about what's happened in the games. Tell me about how it's the fault of the system, what actually happened in the playoffs, in the Buffalo game, where it was so insanely windy that no one could throw the football, and then despite that, they had Mark Andrews wide open for a touchdown, but J.K. Dobbins whiffed on a block, and Lamar Jackson was dead in the water. Tell me how that's the fault of Greg Roman. That's just... Explain it to me. Maybe you could argue it's the fault of Greg Roman that J.K. Dobbins was out in the passing situation. He's, you could say that, that, that you should have had Gus Edwards on the field there. Make, I'll, I'll listen to that. I'm not sure what it has to do with the scheme. I'm not sure what it has to do with how much they run the ball, but if you think you had the wrong personnel on the field in that situation because J.K. Dobbins wasn't a proven blocker at that point in his career, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that as a criticism of Greg Roman. I think that's fair, but the, they run the ball being – it's not sophisticated – the hell does that mean the hell does it mean since we're on football before we get to the Orioles we got the Deshaun Watson news yesterday um I'm in a weird place because I the Browns deserve every ounce of the the heat they're getting the NFL deserves every ounce of the heat they're getting over this I I I don't it is insane that Deshaun Watson is going to be able to play football to me this season at all like that's nuts I can't fathom how the NFL went from being hell-bent on him being suspended for the entirety of the season to suddenly being like, well, you know, we'll work out an agreement with you. Like, I I don't get that at all. Um, there's, I wonder what Steve Young thinks about Deshaun Watson's sophistication yeah, yeah, as, a, yeah. as a passer. I, I got some thoughts. Um, there is apparently a story that was going around yesterday that maybe if it had been 12 games – there's a NFL rule that would have allowed the Browns to get out of the majority of the money they would have had to have paid him this season. And so that's why the NFL specifically wanted it to be 11 games so that they had to pay the entirety of it. But yet, I, I don't know. There was something weird that was floating around about that yesterday that I didn't... That does not register to me 
penalizing the Browns is not more important than imposing a correct sanction on the player who did what he did and continues to be absolutely unrepentant, unapologetic, and no matter how many times you lie and say that he's shown remorse, he clearly has shown no remorse whatsoever and is is only saying whatever he has to say in order to try to uh, yeah, minimize his, his penalty. His, uh, his sort of a semi-apologies are they're, they're spoken like by almost a robot that's been sort of told you know what to say, how to say it. Uh, there doesn't appear to be any heartfelt, you know, heartfelt no. s- empathy for the women that he, uh, you know, no, I mean, he, harassed he, he, and abused. He, he uses word salads. Well, they, I, 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 they were in a situation. They were, I mean, he just continues to say anything other than I did wrong because that would require him to admit something and he doesn't want to do that. Um, I, I don't know what, I really don't know what more there is to say. It's, it's shameful. The Browns, are, are a joke. I will say there is some hypocrisy from Ravens fans that go after Deshaun Watson that were the same people that wanted Antonio Brown to come play for the Ravens a year ago mm-hmm. or who probably would have been thrilled to see Tyreek Hill uh, traded to the Ravens this offseason. There's an amount of hypocrisy that exists within, well, if it's my guy, I'll defend him. Like I think that Browns fans are embarrassing themselves, but I also know that Ravens fans have embarrassed themselves yeah. plenty over the years yeah, when it comes Cleveland to Cleveland fans don't they they're not alone in, no. in standing up for their guy. They're no. enemy number 1. Correct. Yeah. Not unique whatsoever. We've done this a billion times. I love when uh Jimmy Haslam who really is yeah, just uh, what a guy. He, what a what a class guy he right. is. Uh barely missed on federal mm-hmm. federal charges paid a huge fine for uh, you know, uh, manipulating oil. Well, he prices. believes in second chances. Yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. what I was going to say. They to to point to the fact that you gave Kareem Hunt a second chance, and that's worked out pretty good. Right. That's supposed to somehow. So we're the we're the resident. We're the the. No, that's what the you're. Spot you're at you're announcing. We'll, yeah, that we'll, we're the spot that we'll you go always, beat up women. Yep. You go kick women or, you know, whatever you do to them. Yep. And we'll take You'll always be welcome here. You will always have an opportunity. The Cleveland Browns will always be here for you because other teams aren't willing to take a chance on you um, or other teams, you know, have an amount of of moral authority (laughs) or whatever. Right. They believe in, in not doing terrible things. Will always be the place, and yep. and hey, he's a heck of an NFL quarterback, as Jimmy Haslam made sure he said in talking about Deshaun Watson. It's embarrassing, and if I was in Cleveland, I would like to believe I I, I got a lot of smoke, Stan, when I was on the radio. Still, like when I was on the old station that doesn't exist anymore in 2013, 14, sorry, because I was the guy that said this is shameful the, what the Ravens are doing with Ray Rice, and I I like Ray Rice. I don't think he. Deserved the the you know the death penalty, but the Ravens and what they did was it, and they were very mad at me about it. But it yeah. was shameful on every turn. It was shameful yeah. that no point did they speak up and say we are going to prioritize domestic abuse over our guy. At every turn, they prioritized their guy who they thought they knew, and it's Ray Rice we're talking about. He's like the most popular guy. Into what are you guys doing? Yeah. Come on, we know him better than you do. We understand better. At every turn, they prioritized their guy over the statement they were making about domestic violence as on a whole. And instead of saying, we are going to go above and beyond at 
every turn to try to make sure that we know exactly what happened. They were instead willing to just let Ray tell his story, choose well, to believe a, him. They had advice in the in the castle that that you guys don't want to see this video, mm-hmm. you know, and they yep. were they were flying half blind. I thought, and I agree with you, that Ray Rice did not deserve the death penalty. I thought there was a teachable moment there, as hard as what he did. I thought there was a moment that you could have made the Ravens the team that really stands up to to start talking about this issue and doing something and, meaningful. And to say about we're going to hand out the biggest penalty that a player has ever received yep. for something like this. Yep. The NFL can do whatever they want. We're not putting Ray Rice on the field for a year. Yep. And, That's what should have happened. And if and if you do that, then maybe at some point down the road there can be reconciliation and Ray Rice can can go work with groups. And I'm not saying that he'll ever it never forgives what he did. What he did is unforgivable. There's no getting around that. It it's not okay. But to say we're going to step up and we're not going to fall back on what's the shortest penalty we can give to make sure we have a player right. on the field, we're, we are going to prioritize the statement that we make about this horrible thing over protecting our player. And if that means he's got to serve the longest penalty that someone's ever served, and if that means that... Then we're but, gonna- I agree, but I agree with you. I thought the Ravens, where they where they had the opportunity was when Ray got, what was it, a six-game or four-game? Uh, six, I believe. Six. Yeah. But they should have said, we don't feel that that's... It's not we're, we're standing behind the player, right. but this is wrong. We're not going to release him. Yeah. We're going to say he's not playing for us this season. This season. That's, he, that's we're we're going to hold they on. They could have stood for something. Correct. Instead, and, and, they got into this whole thing, and, and as soon as the video... It got released, and they knew what was on the video. Mm-hmm. They didn't see the video mm-hmm. because they were told you don't want to see yep. this video. But so. they knew. They knew, and they should have been able to say to Ray it's, immediately, Ray, go work with us. you got to understand, the moment this comes out, you're not. You're going to be unemployable. Right. right. We are trying to create a path for you to be employable at some point. So don't fight us when we say you're not playing for us this year. Yep. Don't fight about it or else your career is going to be over. Yep. We're trying to create an opportunity for you to be able to play again, but there is a long road back to that. And it's not you being on a football field this season. It's you doing a lot of other things to try to make a statement about how badly you effed up that night. And if you do that, perhaps we can all make this thing work together somehow because... We don't think you're evil. We think you effed up, and we think there can be redemption for someone that effed up. I don't know if there can be redemption for Deshaun Watson because I don't know Deshaun Watson well enough. The, the things that we see certainly don't make you inclined to believe that there's a lot of room for redemption there. Doesn't look like the guy had won leading my football 100%. Team. You know, forget his talent. He's got enormous talent, but uh, leadership... There needs to be some character within the leader. Well, and there's the other question is why do I believe this isn't something he's not going to do again? Or that in two weeks we're not going to find out another story that's going to come out at this point. Yeah. I mean, the number is unending. This wasn't a one off thing, clearly. How do I have they, any idea? They, they called it predatory. Correct. The judge said that. Uh, the, Correct. You know, predatory. It's insane. Yeah. All right. Um,. So that's the football conversation. Now we get to the baseball conversation, which is less important than Deshaun Watson, but definitely not pleasant at the moment either. 
Uh, when we come back in, the Orioles have lost their last two games, and the offense is a disaster at the moment. The Red Sox come in, and they've kind of figured a couple of things out of late. We're going to talk about all of that next. Stan the Fan Charles is here. Today's show, uh, or you know what, Stan the Fan, uh, you had a great show yesterday, right? You uh, caught up with Mike Loxley. Uh, had Mike Loxley, yeah. It's on uh, Facebook.com slash Sports. Or you can just go to our website and look for videos. Gary Stein and I had a nice 21, 22-minute chat with Mike Loxley, who is a terrific, he's really a terrific guy. And he's a, a, a good teacher of young men, in my opinion. I, I agree on both accounts. I agree wholeheartedly. So if you missed that, if you missed uh, Ken Guthrie, the scout that was responsible for Jackson Holiday earlier in the week, uh, Steve Brummer from uh, it's KOM Sports, correct? Uh, KOM Sports. Yep. Steve Brummer, who's prom- he's the promoter of the Maryland Cycling Classic Number One. Yep. Uh, which was supposed to. It was interesting to talk to him. We went a little long, but what a history! You know, they were supposed to have started this in September, Labor Day weekend of 2020, but of course the pandemic put a kibosh on it. The second year they weren't comfortable enough with, you know, with getting crowds, and now this year it's it's a go, and it's pretty exciting, you know. Uh, no question, yeah. no question. It's going to be a huge event. So any of those shows again, Facebook.com/slash/PressBoxSports, PressBoxOnline.com/slash/Video, or YouTube.com/slash/PressBoxOnline. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip, that first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to simple player props and score points for the ones you get right, so you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out. Plus, they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State, and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, which is the place to be tomorrow night for UFC 278. Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards. In the main event, you can order the fight, sit at home, watch it, pay $75, and win no money because you still can't bet at your home here in the state of Maryland for... I still am able reasons. to get bets in at my home. Are you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I just call Whitey Bulger yeah. at the... Yeah, uh, sure. I was going to say, Stan, you realize that like the police might be listening currently right now. What? What? What you do is you pay no money whatsoever, you watch the fight for free, and you win money betting on the fights by hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Uh... Stan, I I get the sense that you are concerned about the last kind of stretch here for the Orioles because you messaged me yesterday and said we should talk about the numbers that they're wearing, and that's not a good sign. (laughs) No, I I just I'm a firm believer that that when you're a really good team, you don't have – here's the – No, I know you sent them all to me. Yeah, right. I mean – Dean Kramer. Yes. If he's going to be a really good pitcher, right. is there another number 64 in baseball that you've ever heard of being I mean, a great pitcher? Not that stayed uh, there. How about Nick Vespi, who yes. we, suppose we thought we might yeah, have today? Yeah. 79. I get it, him. He came uh, out of nowhere. Yo-yoing, yeah. Tyler Wells. A lot of pitchers for, wearing 68 or Who, for the better part of the season, was, was their best pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I just think the Orioles have too much of a collection of astronomically high numbers and that they need to get into getting back to n- normal numbers for a team. I think it is indicative of what they think of these players, you know, in other words, going into the season. So it's it's so interesting. We had a, a, a kind of lengthy conversation the other day about Jorge Mateo specifically, right? Right. And and I am. I'm the, surprised he's not 61 or something. Wasn't like he that. last season? Wasn't he? No, I a, thought they. I thought he had. I, three I thought up. Jorge Mateo at first was wearing like an okay, absurd maybe. number and ended up this year or maybe last year it was switching to. What the the kind of the context where we were talking about Jorge Mateo was? All right, are we committing to Jorge Mateo now as being the short? Are we saying, hey, look, 
it's not an option for Gunnar Henderson to play shortstop next season because it's got to be Jorge Mateo. He's so good defensively, and the bats come around enough that you have to stick it out with and Jorge Mateo. And the dynamic of that speed that he's got that virtually nobody else. Jose Siri of Tampa mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is that fast. Mm-hmm. But it's just amazing to watch him play. It's like watching... Granted, we don't have the leadoff home runs of Ricky Henderson, but it's watching a Ricky Henderson-like yep. athlete. You know, Peter Schmuck and I a couple weeks ago were up in the press box talking about that. Yeah, it's this insane. This is a guy who's very it's in, special. It's insane. Now, he can't hit 200 forever and hold a position, but if this is a sign of the offense coming around a little bit, then yes, the other things are so overwhelming that I'm kind of in agreement that you got to let him try to stick out being the guy at short, unless somebody else is so enamored with Jorge Mateo that they want to make an absurd trade this offseason, then I'll listen on anything. But the concept, the conversation, as I continued it later in the day, kind of evolved into a conversation about, hey, how many, as good as it's been, as fun as it's been this season, how many of these guys really are the guys? No, there's mostly... They're placeholders. Correct. You know, I mean, Roofnet Odor. Well, that's I, I, sure. I joked at my fantasy baseball meeting, you know, when we were, I said, Scott, I just want to let you know the fact that you're an Orioles broadcaster, Scott Garceau mm-hmm. is one of mm-hmm. the players in my league. I said, doesn't mean you can't, you can't draft Roofnet Odor. Right, we'll let you have him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll, we'll go let ahead. You, well, well he's so good at, at bunting, obviously. Right. right, right. <laughs> But he's uh, – I, I love the guy now. I really love watching him play. Do I love the, the 200 average, 269 on base percentage? No, but there's something about him. I think he's the guy that started the thing with the chain. I, I love the role he's played for this. Yeah, yeah, but, the point that you're but making – the point is, next year when the Orioles hopefully yes. are really contending – there's probably not a spot for Rufnet Odor. There needs to be something better than a Rufnet yeah. Odor in yeah. in order for, it, that. That one's an obvious one, right? Like it's so that'll clear. free up number twelve. Correct. By the way, Mateo was apparently in the twenties last year. I was okay. It was twenty six. Thank you, Mateo. We're twenty six. So it was not an unrealistic number. Okay. It was just a, a different number. Um, but the the point being. It, that one's not. It, of course, Odor's a, a mercenary, right? Like he's just here to get through the year. The, the real question is the other guys. It's the Hayes. It's the Mountcastles. It's the Santanders. It's the guys that we've looked at and said, maybe they're a part of this thing moving forward. I think but, that, that number 35 guy is going to be part yeah, of I think I think that one we can go ahead and pencil in as being a part of it. But I, the, the question really became, are you falling in love with guys who are good players, but if you keep them around you're really kind of dooming yourself because ultimately they're not right they're not championship are you at risk of putting together a roster of guys that are sixth guys that you would feel really good about if they were the sixth most important hitter in your lineup right and you have a roster of sixes at some point one adley rutschman maybe one gunner henderson and then a bunch of sixes behind them. i mean where the orioles have come glenn is three years ago Hanser Alberto was like you could argue he was like their best player. Okay, he he probably is going to have less than a hundred at bats for the Dodgers. This it's been year. a helpful piece, a I mean, helpful little right, piece. Right. But you know, yes, correct. In he's, other words, he's Austin, not an everyday player. Yeah. Austin Hayes, if he plays the way he did the first two months of the season, 100%. he's a, he's a keeper. If he plays the way he's the last two, he's the fifth outfielder on the Dodgers. At best, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, despite the, the fact we, we love the guy, yep. you know, 
but he's got now I'm not sure with him whether he's gotten hit so many times, mm-hmm. whether that's really taken it's not like he's ducking out of there, he's afraid of the baseball. But I don't know if his hands are working the way they were earlier in the season. Ramon Urias is a similar story. For a month, Ramon Urias was a world beater. Was this guy, maybe this guy is special. Maybe the Orioles found something here. And then a month later, you're like, he don't need to be in the lineup. We don't need to have Ramon Urias out there every day. And, And you worry because there's only one Gunnar Henderson coming. And... Well, yes, we think that Colton Kowser could end up being a, a really good player. We, we'd start doing this, but at some point, there needs yeah, to be... there's not an inf- infinite number of spaces available for these guys. You know, it's musical chairs. Who's going to survive? Nor is it all, you know, top-notch types of prospects. Nor is it all... Again, Gunner is thought of to be that type of guy. And Kowser's pretty high. Kowser's trending that way. And maybe Kobe Mayo will become that guy, but maybe Kobe Mayo will be Ryan Mountcastle. Right. You know, like that, that there might be a limit there. Um, we think that Jackson Holiday will become that guy at some point in the future, but how far into the future is that going to be the case? Which Apparently, I think, Baseball America or the MLB, who's got him at number 14 already? That was MLB.com. MLB.com. That's pretty special for a guy that young to be 14. Like, Gunner was, was yes. I think Mike Elias would have said, we think Gunner is like a Jackson Holiday-esque mm-hmm. prospect. He wasn't immediately in the top 100. And in fairness, he wasn't drafted as high. Yeah. You know, like that, it, there was it a, was the overslot. Correct. You know. Correct. Um, I, there's, it's not like they don't have really good players in the pipeline, but it goes back to what they're going to need to do in fortifying it. And when they say they're going to spend money, it's easy for us to say, well, just spend money on pitchers, but they probably need to add bats too. Um, and I think this week has been a very loud statement about their need to add bats too. Because this it's I do worry that it's coming apart at the seams a little bit. I do worry I Well, we're gonna we're gonna know a lot more over the next uh, you know, ten, twelve days. I mean, we're gonna be playing the teams you know, I said yesterday, I tweeted out before the game, including yesterday's makeup game against the Cubs, they've got nine games versus teams under 500. The rest of they've the got nine more with the Red Sox starting tonight, a team at 500. And actually, the Red Sox now are yeah, below 500. Below, yep. uh, so that's, but of the nine against Oakland, including yesterday, and they, they have one other, uh, the two against Washington. I said they better talk about going six and three in these nine, seven and two, and then in the Red Sox you got to you got to go five and four or six and three, and they're off to an zero and one start yep. in those nine games they had to win. And, you know? and the big problem being that they can't. They, they essentially they're playing five hundred baseball now of late, and that's not going to get you there. It's it's not going to happen. Which isn't the end of the world if they don't get there. Again, it was always. Asking a lot. It was of, always playing a little bit with fool's gold. Correct. You know. Of this team to get there. But once you're there, once you're in the mix late, you know, it's... Yeah. It's, I mean, they've defied the odds by being there on August. You know, we, we're hoping for meaningful September games. We're 10 days away from that, that the games are meaningful. Let's hope they don't go 0-9 the next nine games. You know, It seems to be a common belief at this point that next week is the week that if you call players up, they can still retain rookie status going into next year. Right. If that's the case, do you think Gunnar Henderson shows up? Well, I thought it was fascinating that Gunnar Henderson 
played first base mm-hmm. yesterday at, uh, with the Norfolk Tides. So uh, I would say I'm leaning toward, and I'm sure Mike Elias um, and company, they're watching what the Mets did out of necessity with uh, Brett, Blaine, Beatty. B- Brett Beatty. Is it Blaine Bat- or I think it's Brett, Bat- right? But I don't. It might be Batty. Yeah. Bat- Batty. B a t y. Yeah. Uh, look at the look at the the um, the Braves bringing up that guy Michael Harris mm-hmm. uh, two and months signing ago him quickly and signing him quickly. And boy, I saw the Met game last night. This guy Vaughn Grissom, oh, yeah. he's scored yeah. on a single. It took about twelve hops to get to the center fielder. He was on first base. And uh, he scored from first base on a single. That is pretty remarkable speed. Uh, and that's Vaughn Grissom. And I think we're seeing some of these young players helping these these elite teams. And I think maybe it is. Maybe that's what they need. The way Machado helped the two thousand team, yeah, yeah, that twelve team. Maybe uh, Gunnar Henderson. They throw him in, and he's not too deep in the water. And he helps the team sparks them. It know? seems like Stowers is the obvious one. It seems yeah. like that's the one that it, it's almost unjustifiable right now, right? Like you could say, "Hey, we need at bats from McKenna." You could say whatever you want to say. It it seems like Stowers should. I would have thought he would have been the first guy up. Yeah, you know. But uh, you know, I've got an interesting question though. For take the money out of it, which player would you? For all the reasons, okay, it's a scale. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Trey Mancini or Ryan Mountcastle? I'm taking into account that Ryan Mountcastle is probably four years, five right. years younger. Are you are than you factoring Trey. contract situations? I, in I there. said take the take money, all the, mo- the, the that, money I, out of it. Money who's, versus who's a more consistent? Yeah, Mancini, major, of course. Mancini, yes. Mancini, yes. And I mean, that's the way I still feel. I th- I think Mountcastle. Those numbers that I alluded to three and four years ago, to me, they've come home to roost that he is not selective enough at swinging at strikes, and he helps the pitchers out way too much. And when you're 22, you can say, hey, we can work on that. But when you're 26 and 27 – that's who you are. Well, it starts to be who you and are. And the bigger problem being that you're offering nothing as a defensive player. That like you're. I, well, I think Ryan's turned into I, a, a it, very. It, it, I, hang on, let me take that back. Okay. He's he's played a fine first base. Yeah. Anybody can play a fine first base. Is my point That's right? Like not true, not exactly true. <laughs> I mean, he's, he his athleticism because we know he's a great athlete. He right. Played shortstop. Right. In high school. It's not true that everybody can go over and play first base as well as he's he's developed very very nicely over there. I I'm not I'm not trying to disparage him as a first baseman. Right. To give someone the position of first base, right? You have to have a certain amount of bat. No question about it. If he were it, hitting the way we thought he would be hitting now, I wouldn't even be bringing correct. this up. Correct. But he is he has gone backwards. And I don't like the trends that I see. And just even what the announcers say, boy, his last two at-bats, he took the first pitch. I mean, that's uh, – Rutschman comes up. Right. And I'm not comparing, but I am comparing. Rutschman commands same, yes. every at-bat. Yes. He is in charge. It's nuts. Yeah, it's, nu- it's nutty. Yes. He's like a precocious, you know. 100%. He's like a nine-year-old that can play. Oh, he's Beethoven. annoying you. And this, yeah. is, and this is clearly the route that Elias wants to go. He wants more guys that are working at bats and taking pitches and, 
you know, I don't know if you saw the story of Jackson Holiday in, in the the Gulf Coast League this right. way. This week was working ten pitch at bats right. in the Gulf Coast League. He's Isn't working fu- to have ten pitch at bats. I mean, like he's yeah. infuriating. Like he's right. and he's at the lowest level of baseball and right. does not care. This is what he's going to do. He's, he's working on his he's game. Working. Yeah. At bats and pissing you off and getting you frustrated because he's giving you nothing. He's fouling off pitches. He's battling in the Gulf Coast League, playing games at 10 a.m. or whatever the heck they're doing down there, right? Like, that's what's happening because that's the type of of hitter that Mike Elias wants. The story, and I wrote about it uh, when he signed, the story that amazed me in that whole press conference was when Elias drafted him, Elias held a a brief uh, get-together with the media on Zoom and said a year ago he was like a late first round. That didn't just magically turn into the number one pick. He designed, he he decided, he and his dad, mm-hmm. I want to be in that conversation to be, you can't control who's going to take you, you know. Correct. But he wanted to be in that conversation I compared it to me when I was like his age. I was popping zits at the mirror, you know. Right. Uh, and he he worked out a plan to be number one. That's that's um, absolutely amazing. Well, that, to me. Stan was doing that and, and getting laid, of course. I, like he was he was doing all. I that. still pop yeah. my zits yeah. quite a bit. Jesus, I um I am I am concerned. So so wait a minute. Let me yeah. just go one step. All right, one step. Oh, you're still. Yeah, I'm still in the numbers. I know. I know. What number do you want? Gunnar Henderson to where he's wearing number two at Triple at A. What number do you see think him? about what, what's available. Let, well, me, here, let me do the math. Hang on a second. I'm pulling, up, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling up the roster. Okay, right well, now. includes this includes the retired numbers. Can it oh, use yeah, four, okay. five, eight, right. 20, well, 20. number two. He's good. Yeah, I like two. Yeah. I don't like two. I kinda like, what's wrong with two? I kind of like yeah. 11 as well. Yeah. What you guys are all worked up about? It. I'm just. I want. I want. Well, the I don't want. Him, I'm with you. I don't want him to wear 92. I don't want him right. to do that. Right. I want him to have a real number. I'm with you on that. I like him at number 10. By the way, this now, is now Griffin. I don't said, like you ready to give up. I don't like number 10. Are you ready to give up 10 already? I mean, Adam Jones was a really good player. I, He's not here I, anymore. I have had a conversation. About, I am actually opposed to retiring numbers permanently. Right. I am. I my thought has always been take him out of rotation. For a while, while. Yeah. there's only so many numbers, and look at the Yankees. Like yeah. they're, yeah. you know, like you hope that you have so many great players, and that baseball exists 500 years from now. Right? What are you gonna do? Have somebody go up with a Batman <laughs> symbol on the back? And now number cool. Batman, like <laughs> the, the, the pie symbol. Yeah, sure, the pie symbol. That's what we're gonna do at some point. Is just to have him send up there with letters. Like what? What number do you want? <laughs> what number do you want? I'm telling you, I know the audience out there is the people that are yeah. listening out there. Are, this is what they're concerned. They're they're yeah, they're thinking their... along with me. Right, Grayson Rodriguez. Let me see what's available again. He wears <laughs> now now his number that he's wearing now. He wears uh, number thirty at Norfolk. I think thirty is great. Yeah, I like thirty. Thirty is a good number. Thirty is a good number. Um, Jackson Holiday. I don't know. What, you know solid. when these guys come up, they're <laughs> not giving them so number bad. sixty, like uh, like uh, Brett Phillips. Those guys, correct. Those guys don't get right. Brett Phillips six. is sixty-six. Yes, they, that's they a great number. That's for him. that's a rent don't buy number, right, is what it right, is. Right. Like, I know that's your take. On they're this. getting buy numbers. Right. They're getting go ahead and build your house here. Because Do you want Tyler Wells to continue to wear number sixty-eight? <laughs> that one's not as bad. I. 
feel like I don't like that. I I can't believe I'm entertaining this. Yeah. You're right, Stan. I don't want him to wear number sixty-eight. Number nineteen. I want him to get a real number. Tyler yeah. Wells, Ben McDonald's I'm, number. I like that actually. I want him to wear a real right. number. I wonder if we'll get any. Colton Cowser. You want to run this by Colton Cowser, number fifteen. You want to run this by Kirkshin in a minute? You want to run him? Ask him what number. I'll, I'll ask him. Don't I'll ask. ask uh, don't ask Buster what number because, no, of no. course, you Buster can't, would can't, laugh at me. can't wear number thirty-five. Yep. That won't. That won't be okay. No, I'm not asking Mike Musina. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, when we come, or Mark Musina. Well, by the way, Mark, I wonder if Mark's going to the game. He lives up there. I wonder if he's going to the game on Sunday. I, I would guess he I, would be. But I, I, would. I don't know how easy it is to get in. Like I don't know. I think the Messina family. Pretty That's wired a good up point. There I think Williams. they're pretty plugged in Williamsport. That's a fair. Mark point. seems like the type of guy who might dress up like he's grounds crew. And <laughs> yes. walk I, you say the- that I could also see Mark being the guy. that's like, yeah, I want to go, and yeah. then he's like, but like Motley Crue is playing in <laughs> Boston, so I think I'm going to go to that instead. <laughs> like he's just that. Did you deal. have any desire to go to this game? I had I, originally when it was announced. I said, you know what, I'm going to go to a few games right. so that it's not awkward when I ask for a credential to right. go to this game. Right. Right. And then right. I realized what a burden that was going to be for me <laughs> with two young kids. I'm like, I'm going to because I'm doing the math. Like, how many uh, games do I have to go to during the year in order for them to, to be like, yeah. you know, yes, it's okay for him to ask yeah. a credential. I'm like, I can't go to 15 games. Yeah during the course of the year to feel like it's okay for me to ask for a credential for the game. I did try to put in for the lottery, and like you had to be a resident of the state of Pennsylvania oh in order God. to get in for the lottery. So then I just said, Couldn't you use Mark Messina's address? I, you know, it's real, we just brought that up the other day. I said, why didn't I use Messina's address? What am I doing? We'll I'd talk. like to go to that game in Iowa sometime. I would love to yeah. do that. I would love to do that. All right, when we come back in, Tim Kirkshen is going to join us. The Little League Classic is Sunday night. Orioles, Red Sox on ESPN from Williamsport. We'll talk about that, where the Orioles find themselves. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Forget plus-minus odds, Swagger uses points for a better way to understand probabilities. If you're tired of losing because of one bad pick, with Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You just create a lineup of 4-10 to simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. So you can be half right and all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site as much as 50 times your buy-in. Plus, you can play all the major pro sports, including your favorite local team, if you're ready to play, visit playwithswagger.com slash pressbox to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus they'll match your first deposit 100% up to 100 bucks. It's free money to play with Swagger. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. Playwithswagger.com slash pressbox. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you. 
you for having me. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle, take it away, boys. Back in here on GCR, Stan the Fan Charles is here as we begin hour number two That's of me. today's program. That's, That's it. That is. I promise. It really is Stan. What do you think of my uh, tie-dye? I do like that. It's yeah. a. It's kind of got a Ravens. It's got a wave. You know what that I is? It's a Ravens Steelers shirt is really what it is. <laughs> you wear that. I just saw the purple. Your neutral colored. Like yeah. I like if this is what somebody would wear if they had a kid who played for the Ravens and for and the Steelers. The Steelers yeah. And they needed to come wearing neutral gang colors. They would wear that shirt to the game. Today's show brought to you by a local Toyota dealer. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. And you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan, uh, we mentioned what you did this week. Do you know what uh, you're doing on Monday night? I have, have no idea. i got to talk to Ross today. Well, I, I, don't, I have no doubt it'll be the finest show you've ever done. I have no it question. It will be the best show that I do next Monday. I believe that will be true. I believe that will be the case. Um, a couple people that got in uh, during the course of the first hour as we uh, try to track down Tim Kirkchen here. From Dave. Dave says, uh, Glenn, a lot of things um, that have gone wrong for the Orioles of late. Do you feel like Brandon Hyde deserves a bit of criticism for it? I thought it was puzzling that he went to the bunt a couple of times yesterday. Yes, they got hosed on the first call. I, by the way, that they definitely got hosed on the first call. Yeah, like, I, there is no doubt about that. Yeah, Dave Johnson was saying that, and uh, after watching it a few times, yeah, yeah, the throw was. This was the definition of an anticipated call. The throw was there. He was beat, yeah. but he eluded the tag. He got his I mean, hand he got. In, yeah, his hand was way up here. A hundred percent here. It's so. it's wild that they reviewed that and it didn't get overturned. I mean, it really is wild that yeah. that happens, but. You know, they were a little bit bunt happy in those situations yesterday. Do you think that Brandon Hyde deserves any criticism for the struggles of the offense? Me personally, uh, no. Okay. I, I don't have a problem with I, that. Pr- I, I, think that I think it's a pers- personnel issue I, more than a strategic 
I had no problem uh, with the bunt. The only thing I probably which one of the, the, the first one, yeah. the Mateo bunt, I probably would have wanted Hayes to to take off a split second sooner. I agree. You know, I agree. But still, but he, still, I he, think he was safe. He was safe. I mean, like it's pretty clear. Yeah. All right, uh, coming up Sunday night, the Orioles and the Red Sox get together in Williamsport. Uh, the annual Little League Classic is back as part of Little League World Series festivities, and it will air exclusively on ESPN. Joining us now, a man that we always enjoy our conversations with. He is the Hall of Famer, the great Tim Kirkshen from ESPN, back with us on the program. Tim, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles back in Baltimore. Thank you for taking some more time for us this month. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm in um, Williamsport. I got here on Tuesday, and I will be here for about 10 days. Wow. And it's like the greatest assignment ever. And I will do uh, a game on Sunday morning from here, then baseball tonight at 6, and then I'll do on the radio the Little League Classic Sunday night with the Red Sox and the Orioles. That's so, cool. again, if you haven't been to Williamsport, you need to come here sometime when these kids are playing, because it's a really, really fun event. Tim, are, are tickets hard to get? Not for the the game, the major league game. If I if next year I wanted to come up on a Tuesday or Wednesday, can I get into games? You know, is it easy? Oh, it's simple. That's the beauty of Williamsport. Is everything is so well done that you you don't even need tickets. You just walk in and go to little league games. They're, wow, they're great. If you go to a night game at Lamedy Field, right. it's one of the great experiences you'll ever have. You might have to sit on the outfield grass and um, you know avoid kids going down the hill on a piece of cardboard, but <laughs> it is a breathtaking experience. You really need to come here because you recognize, again, how pure baseball is at this level and, frankly, how good these kids are. You will be amazed, especially by the middle infield play, how skilled these kids are. It's really fun to watch. He is Tim Kirkchen. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio as we get ready for the Little League Classic. Um, Tim, we, when we talked a couple weeks ago, you were not in favor of trading Trey Mancini. And, and I, you and I agreed about that topic. The Orioles did it anyway. As they're struggling right now offensively, and look, there's plenty of time they could figure this out, right the ship. But if that ultimately ends up being the story... How do we discuss that decision at the end of the year? Because we, we do have to measure, of course, what they're trying to do and build a World Series winner versus the opportunity that they had. And I, I can't help it. There's been a number of times over the course of the last week where I've said to myself, gee, it would be nice to have Trey Mancini in the lineup right now. Yeah, and that's, that's the debate, of course. Do you, do you stick with the plan, which is what they did, and it's very difficult to argue with them sticking with the plan. But, again, I go back to a lot of things that Earl Weaver used to say to me. He would say, if you have a chance to win this year, you have to try to win. Then you figure out next year, next year. Now, again, it was a different time. It was Earl Weaver. They had great teams. So I say, again, I would have hung on to Trey Mancini because I'm not – even though they got some, some interesting pieces in return, I would have stayed with the guy and not messed with the chemistry of the team. But I also – 100% understand when you're in a rebuild like this and those guys know what they're doing in this rebuild, you, you usually stick with the plan. It's difficult to be critical of the Orioles here, but you're right. When they're having trouble scoring runs, you look and say, boy, it would have been nice to have him in the middle of the order. 
Tim, I, I just asked Glenn before the commercial break, uh, if, take the money out of it, okay, what Mancini makes and what he's due to make next year versus Mountcastle. If you, if you were trying to, to have the best player of the two, wouldn't, wouldn't it be Mancini? Yeah, it's just because he's played longer. I mean, no, Mount he's Castle five has... years old. He's four or five years older, yeah. you know. But, I mean, right. he's a better, more consistent hitter than Mountcastle looks like he's going to be. Yeah, well, I think someday Mountcastle might be a better hitter than Trey Mancini, but maybe he isn't right now. Yep. Again, these are the debates. Yep. This is what the trade deadline is all about, yep. Paul, as I've said it a million times. This is where GMs earn all of their money right now. Are we in? Are we out? Do we make that trade or do we hang on? Do we go give up six guys for Juan Soto or do we hang on to him? Do we trade Trey Mancini or keep him? These are really difficult decisions, and we're really good at debating them after the fact. But we'll see where this goes from here. We'll see how much Mancini helps the Astros. We'll see if the Orioles make the playoffs, if they can score enough runs here, which has been a problem here lately. A lot of things going on. It's fascinating to watch. Tim, you were here when the only other player I remember that the Orioles traded at the deadline and re-signed was Mike Bordick. Mm -hmm. Do you see any chance, given the realities of what Trey's going to make, what big money looks like for Trey Mancini, it's not Chris Davis kind of money. It's vastly different. Is there a possibility that Mike Elias' game plan was to maximize his value and then go back and get him? Yeah, Mike Elias has made it clear we're going to be players in the offseason for free agents. Yep. Now, they're not going to be players like the Yankees no. or the Dodgers or a bunch of other teams, but they're going to be relative players to where they've been in recent years. And yes, I am such a believer in team chemistry. I know it's corny, but you bring back Trey Mancy and you add him back in you know, a local hero like that, yep. and you put him back in the middle of the order, sure, yep. sure, that is something that I would sure, I, I'm certain they would consider, and they should. Tim, I wanted to ask you about what's practical, because to your point, right, Mike Elias is going out of his way to say to anyone who will listen right now, we're spending money, it's it's liftoff for the Baltimore Orioles, we are moving into that direction, but but what is practical, right, because I don't I don't think, it's, it's definitely not Aaron Judge, um, I <laughs> I don't think it's Trey Turner, but Carlos Correa's name is going to keep coming up. And admittedly, Tim, I'm in a place now where the more I watch Correa, I'm like, is he really worth like $300 million? Is he really that player? He's a, he's a nice player, and I, I, I like him, but is, is that what's worth spending the money? A lot of, there's a lot of talk in town about Carlos Rodon being a guy that, that Orioles fans would be a fit. What do you think is practical for the Orioles as they say they spend money? What type of player do you think they could be in the market for? Yeah, I think liftoff is a relative term here, fellas. I, it's not Aaron Judge. It's not Carlos Correa. It's not $200 million. They're still in the middle of a rebuild. And even though a rebuild demands you know, a veteran player to show everyone we're serious, much like the Nationals did with Jason Wirth. They gave him, what, $118 million. People were stunned by that. But he ended up being an important guy. And mm -hmm. it was a signal to everyone else. We're, we're trying here. We're right. spending money here, and I, th I think that's necessary. But I don't know if it's necessary at $200 million or anything more than that. So Carlos Rodon, of course, would be perfect for the Orioles. He would be perfect for a lot of teams. And with the way he's pitched, 
uh, he's going to get a ton of money. So my guess is they will upgrade at several positions, but they won't do it with one of the biggest free agents out there because there's just so much more competition. Tim, uh, I wrote a piece, and I'm sure you don't check PressBoxOnline.com every day, but I wrote a piece uh, after watching um, D.L. Hall the other day. And, and this basically, I've watched him, even though I haven't seen games. I saw him pitch one time, I think, at Bowie, but I've looked at his numbers. Doesn't he smack of being another Andrew Miller, Josh Hader t- type, rather than figuring it out and becoming – like a really established number two starter. Yeah, the stuff is elite, which we saw despite his yeah. struggles in his first major league start. When he struck out the side, whatever, second or third inning, that was some pretty interesting stuff that he had. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to teach that. But we all know, we all know this game is so unbelievably hard to play. To ask a kid of that age to come up and be poised and ready first time out it usually doesn't happen that way but again you you don't have to worry about his stuff you know his stuff is there but the next step and it's a big one is being able to command that stuff a lot of our young pitchers today have unbelievable stuff and don't quite know what to do with it maybe Gail Hall is one of those guys but he'll figure it out because <laughs> you'll take the stuff first and then figure yeah. out the rest. Yeah, and they, Good look, point. there's no doubt they're going to give him the opportunity to. But I, admittedly, I'm starting to come around on on Stan's side of things, which is boy, I I I I think he might be an elite bullpen arm. I think that might be the case. Um, one of the other guys we've been talking about, Tim, is is Jorge Mateo, who has been a joy to watch play this year. I mean, I. I Every night that I sit down to watch an Orioles game, I'm, I know I'm going to get to see something amazing that Jorge Mateo is going to do defensively on the base paths. And he started to, to hit a little bit. Like, are, are, Should the Orioles be at a point where they're kind of committed to Jorge Mateo being their shortstop? And that means Gunnar Henderson plays third base, then Gunnar Henderson plays third base, that, that he gets a continued opportunity to prove that he can be this guy day in, day in, just because of all of the things he can do. Yeah, he's an interesting player. He had the five-hit game at Tampa against the Rays. He broke up the perfect game. He's made some spectacular plays in the field. But the people I've spoken to about him need to see him be a little bit more reliable on the everyday play as opposed to just making the spectacular play. To me, that's what a shortstop, that's what Mike Bordick did as well as anyone. Cal Ripken, they made every routine play and I think we need to see more of that look if Gunnar Henderson is ready to play shortstop in the big leagues I think he's got to and that's his position let's say if that's what they determine he's a shortstop then he needs to play there first and Mateo needs to go somewhere else however if Mateo is good enough to be their shortstop long term and then you bring up that kid and play him at third well then you need to look at that also that would be the best of all worlds Mateo establishes himself that I am an everyday shortstop in this league, which is not an easy thing to say for someone as young as him. And clearly they would have Jackson Holiday coming in that scenario at some point where you know he could be. Of course, that, we think that's still a few years down the road that that would be the case, but might prove to be ideal to have Holiday and Henderson on that side of the infield for Tim, years to come. Tim, you aware that Henderson played first base yesterday for Norfolk? I did not know that, yeah. but I am a big believer. You move people all over the place. I tell people at the Little League World Series, let every 12-year-old kid play every position on the field. There's no telling 
where he might the light might go off. And if you play second base and you play center field one day, it's going to help you as the second baseman. In Henderson's case, put him at first base and see how it goes because the versatility you're going to need and fill in a hole is really, really important. And that's what the minor leagues is all about. This is a time to experiment and see, can he play this position? How did he look over there? So I'm imagining that all of the broadcasts you do on Sunday are, are going to feature a little bit of Adley Rutschman because he's pretty exciting, uh, Tim. <laughs> um, I, 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 my, our buddy Jim Callis was on yesterday, and, and he's so carried away. He was like, if I had to bet right now, yes or no, on him being in the Hall of Fame, I might bet yes. And I was like, whoa, Jim. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> we're going crazy. But you know we are over the moon about this guy like, do you already look and say he might be the best catcher in baseball already at this point? Like, are are we getting too carried away, or is he really that good? Uh, no, we have to be careful. Look, he is great. I saw someone putting out the um, best rookies in the American League this year. Then they had Julio Rodriguez, who's going to win, mm-hmm. and Adley Rushman as the only contender to Julio Rodriguez winning in the American League. that That's really saying something, because there are a bunch of other rookies that have been up all year, including Bobby Witt Jr. and a bunch of others. That's how highly regarded Adley Rushman is. And the fact that he runs the game as well as he does. I talked to a few of their pitchers the other day about what it's like throwing to him, and they just shook their head like he's remarkably advanced for such a young player on how to run a game, which is so critical in this day and age. So I love everything about him. I'm not going to Hall of Fame when he's this young, but I'm going that uh, someday, someday, sooner rather than later, he'll be the best catcher in baseball. I, it, it seems like it might be sooner than sooner. It just seems like that could be the case. Um, all right, so so your plan on Sunday, you're doing a game from the Little League World Series, then baseball tonight, then the radio thing. Um, for people that don't know what this scene is like, at the Little League Classic and and what to expect if they tune in on Sunday. What is it that fans are going to get when they want, besides obviously a baseball game between the Orioles and Red Sox, which is more and more important um, than maybe we thought it was at the beginning of the year, um, what else are they going to get from tuning in for this broadcast? Well, to me, the really cool part about this, beyond playing a major league game in a minor league ballpark, which is, by the way, spectacular, spectacularly put together the field is major league ready as it has to be but to me my favorite part is that the only people in the stands basically are the kids and you know you can't just get tickets to this game and show up you have to have a special ticket in order to get in i know because i try celebration (laughs) i tried glenn and i tried to be 12 year olds last year Right. Well, I got a much better shot at that than you guys do, believe me. So, uh, But when you look around and there are kids all over the ballpark, it's so great. And I'll, you'll see a hitter on, in the on-deck circle go over and talk to some of the kids like during the game who are right there up against the screen. That's the kind of stuff that I love. It's just such a cozy atmosphere, and it, it's really fun to watch. Everything about Williamsport is great, but when the big leaguers come, it's exceptionally good because when they interact with the kids, there's nothing like it. A few years ago, Chris Archer came in. Chris Archer's a great kid, but he had really struggled uh, for the first half of the season. And he came to Williamsport and he met one of the kids. And one of the kids said, aren't you the guy that gives up all the home runs? (laughs) (laughs) 
And Chris Archer said, yeah, I'm the guy who gives up all the home runs. It's, it's just priceless interaction between the kids and the players. And you'll get it also on Sunday night in a very cozy, really cool atmosphere that is still dominated by the kids. Tim, before we let you go, I was wondering if you could repeat the story you told Ross and I about two weeks ago. This has been a special summer for you going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and the story you told us about Johnny Bench and what he did for you. Uh, okay, Stan, I'll do this for you, of course. All right. Um, so a- after I made my speech that Saturday, I was I went back to the Otisaga Hotel, and Johnny Bench looks at me and he goes, come with me. And he takes me out to the veranda of the Otisaga Hotel, which overlooks the spectacular lake. And we're the only two people on the veranda. And he says, I want you to sit in that chair right there. And I want you to look at that lake. And I want you to not say a word for one minute. And I want you to think about where you are, how you got here, and how many people got you here. And I sat next to the greatest catcher of all time. And I looked at that lake for one minute without saying a word. And I thought about exactly what he said. And it was one of the most powerful moments I've ever felt. I cheered up again in Cooperstown because of that. Johnny Bench does this for all the first-time Hall of Fame players. But that Saturday, he did it for a writer. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how much that meant to me. Well, Thank you for telling that again. That is powerful. Yeah, that's that really is, great. That is He's a very special guy. Uh, I, I got to interview him with Ross because Ross played with him, uh, and he did our Zoom last year. I didn't really quite get how special a person he is, but I do now. Yeah. Well, there are about 100 stories like that involving Johnny Bench. Yeah. And uh, no matter how good you think he is, as a guy and a person and a player, you should multiply it by about 10. Yeah, it's remarkable. At Kirkchen underscore ESPN is how you follow him. And, of course, all day on Sunday and various platforms from the Little League World Series and the Little League Classic. Tim, always appreciate you. Thank you for taking Thanks, the Tim. time for us. Thank you. Okay, guys, see you. Tim Kirkchen joining us here on GCR. That is powerful, man. That was a powerful story. Um. Tim pointed out this thing. Are we going to talk to Peter Schmuck? Peter Schmuck's going to join us in a second. But I want to. Uh, Tim Leonard from Masson shared this out. Uh, it's a comparison between Adley Rutschman and Julio Rodriguez. And I agree with Tim Kirchner. Julio Rodriguez is going to end up winning Rookie of the Year. But it's just interesting, right? Of course, Julio Rodriguez has played 32 more games than Adley Rutschman has. But the Fangraphs war method of has them even at three. Three, both. A three war, three war for both. for both of them. The baseball reference, you know, war formula has Julio Rodriguez at four point four to Adley Rutschman's three point five. But if they projected it out over one hundred and sixty two games, Adley Rutschman would be at eight point one to Julio Rodriguez's seven point zero. Right. Um. And then uh, weighted runs created uh, plus WRC plus, which is a a very common, is Julio Rodriguez one thirty, Adley Rutschman one twenty eight. Um, it's closer than you would think. Adley's yeah. got better OPS. He's got, you know, like, it, there is a more of a convert. Some of the numbers purely skew to Rodriguez because he's played more games. Yeah. Plain and simple because he's played more games. The Mariners are very good. Julio Rodriguez will almost certainly be the rookie of the year. But the argument is better than I think a lot of people realize it is for Adley Rutschman, uh, considering what he's done this season. I'll predict right now he will be the all star catcher next year. 
Right. Uh, all the hype that he's getting, yeah. there is yeah. no doubt. Yeah. There is no doubt that's the case. All right, today's show also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Always a great time to get over to your neighborhood, Glory Days Grill. I believe Stan is so far behind because uh, D.L. Hall got a point for uh, Griffin in our uh, second-half predictions that we made that it's almost locked up that Stan's going to have to take us to Glory Days Grill here in a oh couple of months. Oh That's all right, though, because when we get over there, we can try the, uh, the, the open of the flash-fried pork belly with a Korean number 2 sauce and the South Carolina barbecue chicken. Maybe mm. we go now before the summer menu goes away at Glory Days Grill. Just go ahead and concede, if you don't mind, and then you can take us over to Glory Days Grill. But John's <laughs> out of town. Oh, right. that's your plan? <laughs> yeah, listen to you. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to get your order in. Always a better day when you're at Glory Days Grill. Always a better day when Peter Schmuck joins us. He's retired, but you still see him writing at BaltimoreBaseball.com. That's right. Where I saw him writing this morning, and he's back with us now. What's going on, Peter? It's Glenn and Stan. How are you? Well, I'm just sitting here bathed in apprehension about this weekend's series against the Red Sox, to be honest with you. Really? That's what I'm doing. Are, are you yep. – you, you know, it's so funny. I said something yesterday, Peter. I said – um, whenever the Orioles have lost a game in the second half of the season, I've had that feeling of, oh, oh right, sorry, we know we're not supposed to be at the party. We, we get it. We don't belong. We'll go back. We'll. It's like you know, finding out that uh, you were invited to a party as a kid because their mother invited you, and it wasn't really that the kids wanted you to be there. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've felt that a few times. Are you starting to feel like it's coming apart at this point? It's... No, not not necessarily. What what's bothering me, of course, is that. Um... At this late stage in the season, uh, they ha- they haven't adjusted to um, uh, competing particularly well against starting pitchers. We we know that because they don't score in the first four or five innings. Their the first inning is their worst inning, uh, score of runs runs wise. Um, they and you've you've seen you've seen a couple guys for it with purple perfect games in the last eight days. For the last uh, six games, they haven't done anything in the first four and two thirds innings at least. And as far as far in as you know, eight and a third in, or eight innings before they got their first uh, base runner, um, these are things uh, that happen when you face good pitchers. But I challenge you to go look at the pitchers they faced. And other than uh, Drew Rasmussen, who was absolutely dominant, he's really, really one of the going to be one of the really good pitchers for the next um, several years. Um, these were guys that uh, shouldn't. You know, there shouldn't shouldn't be that dominant against a team that has as many talented young guys as this team has, and that troubles me going into this weekend because the Red Sox are now you know a sleeping lion. They they uh, have really been struggling, and now they finally are snapping out of it. And the and the, the Orioles catch three pitchers who are all pitching really well now. That the the the, the overall numbers on a couple of them aren't going to throw you know knock your socks off, but go look at their most recent three or four starts. All three of these guys are really pitching well, and so they they need to get on them. They need to get on them early, and they have only done that a couple times in the last week. They need to do that more consistently, and they've dropped the two and a half games off the wild card. And they need to to stem that, and they need the Yankees to beat <laughs> to beat some of the uh, other other teams like the Yankees just haven't been doing lately. Uh, all true, all true. Is that negative enough for no, you? No, no, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, Peter, I worry that like it's it's just not in these guys' nature. I, I clearly, it's an Adley Rutschman's nature, right? Like clearly, this he's right. going to work. It's what he's going to do. But it, it's sort of the um, the aftermath of the previous regime versus what it is that Mike Elias wants, and Mike Elias wants more guys that take pitches and work counts, and that maybe wasn't quite as much of a priority in the past, and it's maybe coming to roost a little bit at this point. It's... Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I just think it's young players who want to do too much when things go well. I use uh, Austin Hayes as a great example. You remember when Austin Hayes hit that 460-foot home run? Yeah. You remember how many times he's done anything like that since? No, I mean, not much. He's, yeah. he, he, some, something happened when he was in that hot streak uh, that, that made him probably start swinging a little too hard, trying a little too hard to be that guy rather than uh, t- starting to, to use the whole field, which he started to do yesterday. So that was promising. He had a couple balls real well. He had a couple really good at bats and he's had a home run or two since that time. Uh, but you know, you're seeing, uh, uh, Cedric who is a really, a really, a, a really good player who just does nothing in the first inning. He just, his first at bat, you know, the leadoff guys, only the leadoff guy certain to be the leadoff guy once. once yep. So that would be, that would be a time when you have a three, one count to, to not go after the, the, the borderline strike on the outside corner or, 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 and, pull, and roll over it to, to second base, that you've got to be a leadoff guy at that point. You've got to take a pitch and be able to foul a couple pitches off and make the guy miss. And that's something he, he does later in the game, and I don't know why he doesn't do it at the beginning of the game. And, that, and it goes for, you know, goes for Ryan Mountcastle, too. They, they, um, you know, they're, they're young, and they're enthusiastic, and they want to ambush guys. But when two guys in a row walk, you don't swing at the first pitch. I don't care where it is. You let a pitcher struggle. The guys in the first inning, pitchers in the first inning, even great pitchers, if they're going to struggle, it's generally in the first or second inning. So you've got to give them a chance. You can't have a six-pitch inning in the first inning. They've got to make sure. That's, that's as simple as that. You can't have a six- or seven-pitch inning in the first inning because that guarantees that that good pitcher is going to be around in the seventh inning. And it also uh, – uh, 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 you know, robs you of the chance for him to be feeling his way around because you're swinging at the first pitch when he's feeling his way around trying to figure out what his great pitches are this, this, on, the, on that particular game. And it's just frustrating to watch because this, this is a very exciting and entertaining young team, and it's going to be way better next year. Um, and it's, it's a really exciting time. And so today, I, I, since, I'm, since there aren't many people who are columnists on the Orioles anymore, I think, I, I think there's only one. Um, that I thought I'm you're talking I don't, about, I don't you're talking to, about me, Peter. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about you. Yeah. And so, uh, you and Henny and me, I'm just saying, I, so, but, <laughs> uh, but I just thought I'd insult you too, just for fun. <laughs> um, but, but, and you guys do it more than I do actually. But, uh, uh, I just, I just, uh, thought that this is something that, that needs to be addressed and, and, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I feel, I, I probably feel as positive about this team as anybody, but at some point, um, and I, you know, I could hear it in, in, in Brandon Hyde's voice yesterday talking about the first two thirds of the game. He, he knows this is happening and, and they're working on it. Um, but, uh, the guys, it's just a, it's just a mindset situation. You got, they got to do it in the, thir- in the first, th- the first time through the order, they got to do the same thing they do the third time through the order. And they're really great in the third time through the order. Just, and just focus on, having that mindset, but it's probably just the enthusiasm. It's also there, you know, especially with some of these teams are facing unfamiliar pitching, uh, but they've done really well. And Ryan Mountcastle said something very, uh, very intelligent yesterday um, when he was talking to us after the game. And that is that it was in response to a question I asked him uh, about this. And that is that, you know, we've been really fortunate to hit some good bullpens, but we can't depend on hitting good bullpens in the American League East. That is, that is something that, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. He is Peter Schmuck. BaltimoreBaseball.com is where you find that column he wrote about what the Orioles need to do at the plate. 
Hey, Peter, we've been having this conversation this morning. I want to run it by you. Where are you with, like, Jorge Mateo? And he's been so much fun to watch, but should they be committing to him as their, like, shortstop until Jackson Holiday's here? Or does Gunnar Henderson need to be the shortstop? Because if he's that good, he should be playing at shortstop. Like, just where are you at with Mateo, big picture? Well, the great thing about this right now is we get to see for the next six weeks whether Mateo, what he has done and adjusted to at the plate, is real. Um, if you told me right now who's going to be the quarter, the shortstop next year, I, I would think you'd focus on Gunnar Henderson if you were not confident uh, that Jorge Mateo uh, is not going to lapse back into being a 150 hitter. However, I, I, my own personal belief is that he has figured this is the first time he's played this much yep. and he has figured something out and I'm watching that it bats, not the results. And you're seeing him laying off pitches that he couldn't lay off of two months ago. You're seeing him, uh, you know, you're still seeing it, the aggressiveness, but which, which you don't want to take away from that kind of an athlete. And I have to tell you something, if this is real and he's still in development, he could be a superstar player. Because look at that defense. Look at the highlight That's film insane. defense, right. highlight reel defense that he brings to you and that ridiculous speed. I remember uh, a couple, three weeks ago, he went from first to third, and I'd never seen a guy run that fast. I'm telling you, I've been around 41 years, buddy. I've never seen a guy go from first to third. It, he, it was like, a, it was like a, he just streaked. And I, 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 literally went, I literally went, whoa. No, I've never seen anybody. You know, I know there's been some fast players, uh, you know, no, that's a pretty but, amazing. Uh, that's a pretty amazing comment, Peter. You were the first to really kind of pointed that out to me the night we were together in the press box. Last thirty six starts, he's batted one hundred and twenty five times. He's batting two eighty eight with five homers, seventeen RBIs, eight doubles, three triples. He scored twenty three runs as well, and he's stolen uh, eight bases. And his one base percentage is 338 and his OPS is 858 over 36 games. That would work. Yeah. That 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 over a full season, those you know, prorated numbers. That over a full season makes him a star player. Yep. Now I I, I think you got to I think you got to uh, get into the you know you, you know I think I think you got to um, probably do a little more production wise be a superstar player, but I don't know. I mean, this guy's there's, there's no question that on, in physical talent, he's a superstar. Just physical, to pure physical talent. Now, whether he, whether he can express that the way he has for the last, uh, that period you just defined, uh, I don't know. I'm just seeing some things. When I, I, I've been forced over the last couple of years, first by a, a, a bad accident last year that put me on, on the couch uh, for watching the Orioles on, on television for, for weeks and weeks. And watching and and, and uh, DVR and games and just watching at bats, watching these guys hit, and what he's the the adjustments he's made. Plus, you know, he's fixed his stance a little because he wasn't reaching the outside corner with his bat early in the season. Um, he 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 has made the right adjustments, but the pitchers will adjust too. And so we're going to have to see if he can sustain this for the next six weeks. Um, if he can, then he's got to come into next year as your shortstop. And if Gunnar Henderson's ready, if he can play shortstop, he can play second base. Yeah. And 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 you'll have him in the lineup. Um, now, uh, you, you know, I mean, how this how this plays three years from now, you know, when when 
holiday is ready to go, uh, I, I, we'll see. We'll see where where this is. Uh, right. You, if you have a if, if you have a player uh, at shortstop that's of uh, Adley Rutschman's pedigree, which is what Holiday is, uh, it's going to be tough to keep him out, keep him off that position. And and uh, you know this is a this is a team also which has a wonderful history when it comes to shortstops, as you know. Well, I believe we call these good problems to have. However, Peter, yep. I believe that's what you call those things. Is far better than uh, whether it's going to be uh, Freddie Byman, Byam, or uh, or Fahey playing shortstop in a particular season, which has been a conversation mm-hmm. we've had. Um, all right, uh, I, I just I, one more for you. Again, we've been posing these sort of all throughout the course of the morning. I I, I want to get your thoughts on what's practical, like. Mike Elias says it's liftoff. They're spending money this offseason. What do you think that is? Like, I, I don't, you know, I, it's not Aaron Judge, of course. It's not Trey Turner. But, you know, we've linked Carlos Correa to the Orioles about a billion times. I'm not sure if it's if he's worth that money. But, you know, I, I don't know if they're spending that money. What do you think it means when they say it's liftoff and we're spending money? What do you think is practical? I think it has to be pitching myself. Um, and, again, practical is an interesting question because – um, this this again becomes relative. What happens the next six weeks? Do the, does this team uh, get into the playoffs and and win a wild card series and and actually have a real playoff season? I mean, I don't expect them to be the World Series champion, but um, but but do they go and 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 have another uh, have another series at Camden Yards where you have you know the Del, a Delman Young type highlight that everyone remembers forever? Well, that that has an impact on John Angelos. And so uh, you get to that point, and suddenly there's a there, there's a, a couple starting pitchers or one starting pitcher, and uh, you know uh, uh, a big time you know some you know some one uh, a big big time bat of some kind, uh, and uh, let's say that starting pitcher is going to cost a hundred million dollars. It's still it's possible, it's possible, not likely. But uh, you, you're not going to see a $300 million Steven Strasburg contract for anybody. This team doesn't, will never be in that position ever since the Nationals are where they are. Right. Um, so, but, but um, if, if, if they prove they can get there with what they have now, then if you could, if you could have, uh, if you could add one, you know, you're, you're, you're theoretically getting John Means and, and uh, uh, Grayson Rodriguez uh, next early next year, um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, uh, you know, and you, and you really, you know, Dean Kramer looks like he's coming. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how real Spencer Watkins is, but I'm sure impressed with a couple of last couple of some of his recent outings. Um, uh, again, uh, Tyler Wells, does he end up being, being your, um, uh, big time, your, your, your eighth inning setup guy, or does he end up coming back to the rotation? It, well, I think he comes back to rotation if you need him there. So there, there, there's, there's not that. It's, it's funny. I hate to say this. There's not that much room on the roster to say, well, we could use another center fielder, we could use another shortstop. Or, uh, you know, you, you probably uh, could could use a player. You know, a DH first base type. You know, quality DH first hmm. base type guy, hmm. so that you can move guys around and have some flexibility. Hmm. Um, so, but, might uh, that guy? Might that guy be Trey Mancini? That would that would sure maximize his value for the team if they got the well, two pitchers they got and then were able to re-sign him. Well, that's true, and that would be a nice thing. The fans would love that. 
I, if I was Trey Mancini, I wouldn't walk back into the stadium except as a visiting player. The stadium's in his head. I mean, the, he, he, he is, he, he had to, he, you know, he, he went to Houston and he hit four, what, four, three home runs in his first week yeah. because he could hit him because he had hit him to left field and he was having to adjust his swing here to avoid that fence or let that fence get in his, that, that uh, the long wall uh, get in his head. I, I, I don't see him coming back unless the market is really bad for him. And, and it may be, there's lots of first basemen out there and there will be, there will be, you know, it, it's, he's not, he's not going to get a huge contract, but no, he's but not. He's, I, he's a, he's sort of what they need dollar wise and value wise, you know, except that, except that is he, is he really Trey Mancini anymore? Once you, you put him in the stadium because of, I, I, I really, you, you'd think that, 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 uh, extended left field would give and take, meaning that uh, Trey, Trey Mancini would get more hits to left field, and he'd get fewer home runs, right. and it might even out. And he's a he's a just under three hundred hitter, or is around to be a three hundred hitter. Well, then then he's really valuable. But uh, I think what we saw this year was that that you know it just you know it, it, as much, even though he you know pretty much led the Orioles in all these categories, he he wasn't he wasn't that Trey Mancini, and and, and I think I think when he you know, I hope I, you know, uh, the Orioles are probably going to have to win the World Series. I hope the, I hope the Houston does. I hope he gets a ring. Mm-hmm. He's a great kid. He's a great yeah, he's kid who's been kid. through a lot. And, and I just don't see once he's been there and if he has a, if, if he has a great next six weeks and, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't hitting for average there, but he's produced. He's had, uh, if you look at his, his he's what's he played in, uh, I don't know how many games, but he's got uh, uh, like an RBI average a game or something like that. And it's way above his, the, his production averages are way above what they were here per game. I think he's hit um, four. I think he's hit four home runs yeah, and two, home of, runs two of them have been on the road though. And 10, 10 RBI in 13 games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's pretty good. I think he has a grand slam in there, which kind of juices that up. Yeah. Um, but, but the fact was he wasn't hitting home runs here and he was a guy who's supposed to hit 25 to 30 home runs and he was going to end up here with, with what, uh, 17, 18 yeah, or whatever. Like yep. And, and that wasn't going to help him a lot as a free agent. And, and, and is, and you have to ask, I mean, he's a fit for the fans. He's a fit for the media. We all love him, and, and, and he deserves that. I don't know that he's a fit for the team. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. That is interesting. Interesting. But are you, are you basically saying that you can't have a right-handed power hitter? No, I'm basically saying that you can't have a right-handed power hitter who isn't, who isn't, uh, Aaron judge type, you know, a guy with right. the strength to not worry that, the, that, that, that he has to, Basically, now you have that every home run to left field is the same as a home run to center field, mm-hmm. um, except you don't have the benefit of the gaps for for to get doubles when you don't hit it that far. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's and that's 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 a what's one of the reasons why the pitching was as able to be sustained with yep. the you know with the with the the guys that they brought in and and I mean we've seen many of we've seen many a uh, Cedric Mullins run a ball down in center field and. And uh, and you've seen uh, Austin Hayes run a bunch of them down in left field that would have been home runs, and we, we'd have a much higher ERA and the you know for the starting rotation and the bullpen. Uh, it was a great move for this team. I mean, making that move, I wasn't in favor of it. I don't like messing with the the stadium, other than I like the batting eye bar, uh, but uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but the it, it it's a it's a great it was a great move for this team to be to try to compete in the. Uh, AL East because it, it improved their pitching automatically, yeah, no doubt. and 
And it, it sure, it probably helps the opposing pitcher too somewhat. But when you have a thing like that, sort of like the Red Sox in reverse, having the short porch in left field, uh, your team is more accustomed to it. So it's an advantage for you. And, uh, and, and so the, the ideal bat for the Orioles in that stadium is a guy who's, who, who's an alley, alley hitter like Rutschman, Rutschman style of hitter. It is, if you're going to bring in another hitter to, to beef up this lineup. He is Peter Schmuck. BaltimoreBaseball.com is where you see his stuff now. Schmucker, uh, best to your family, my friend. Uh, always appreciate you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Thinking morning. about appreciate you. And love you. Love you, Peter. Talk to you soon. Great to you. Same to you guys. Thanks Thanks very much. I'll talk to you soon. All right. It's a great Peter Schmuck with us here on GCR. We got one more break to get to, and then we're going to preview the Cardinals and wind things down. Stan the Fan is hanging out with us on a Friday. Are the St. Louis? I thought the Red Sox No, were no, coming. no, no. The Arizona Cardinals. Oh, the Arizona a football Cardinals. game on Sunday night. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, in the preseason, the Ravens are traveling across the country. Totally reasonable thing to do in the preseason. We'll talk about it. My buddy Dan Minucci from Fox Sports 910 in Phoenix joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Visit Howard County presents the 2022 Major League Quidditch Championship, a Harry Potter-inspired, real-life, full-contact, mixed-gender, 12-team Quidditch tournament happening at Troy Park in Elkridge, August 20th through the 22nd. For tickets and more information, go to visithowardcounty.com. Maryland, be open for it. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at press box sports Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com glory days grill great food good sports 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Back in here on GCR, Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles has been hanging out with us all morning been, long. Been waiting all day to talk to your next guest Damn about the St. Louis the, Cardinals. Yeah, the thing about I, that you, is you he, might remember, he <laughs> might remember Roger Worley. He might remember, uh, oh God, it was Goldberg, all some of the great players in St. Louis football Cardinals history. I don't think he's going to help us out much on like what should we expect from... How about, tell, how about the thing with Albert Pujols yesterday, though? That was, that was, that pretty was cool. cool. That, that was, was cool. cool. But do me a favor. If I'm going to be here on Fridays yeah. you know, on a regular basis, have Griffin give me the whole story. He right. said we're going to have him talk oh, about we're talking the Cardinals. Cardinals. You, need, you, know. you need something a little bit so more specific prepped, than that. You know. It's like when we said we were going to have a Jets guest on, and you did all that Winnipeg Jets studying, which I appreciated. You were really not. <laughs> I was up I, on that. I couldn't movie. believe how much you knew about Dale Howard, Chuck. I was like, that's incredible. But uh, it didn't help us because we were actually talking about Joe Flacco. Yeah. That yeah. was the uh, that was the situation there. Is he definitely starting that first game? They're talking. I mean, they haven't like announced it, announced it, but it's essentially. They're saying that Zach Wilson's made like this miraculous. Well, it's you know, he's back at the facility. Essentially, walking. like the initial the doom and gloom was insane. Yeah. It's not. It's it's a four week injury, right. but. You know, uh, they ought to make sure he's 100%. I mean, there's some people that would argue even if he was, they should play Joe <laughs> Flacco Joe anyway. Uh, the Ravens are headed to the other side of the country on Sunday night, Stan. And, you know, I, I bust on, on you about being old sometimes, but I am relentless with our next guest because when I knew him, he was only like 50. Oh, man. And goodness. I still that must mean I, he's every my day. Age. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's getting there. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He's a former NFL quarterback, kind of, kind of. I mean, he's definitely more than I am or you are. Uh, and he is, of course, a host on Fox Sports 910 out in Phoenix. He's my buddy Manucci, Dan Manucci, and he's with us now here on GCR. Manucci, what's up, bud? Dan, you there? I think I've got a – I'm, I'm here. You guys hear me loud? Yeah, we got you. We got you. There we go. Yeah. It might be that uh, that Kmart special blue light the signal you guys got back <laughs> yes. there in oh, Baltimore. Damn. Here, <laughs> oh, d- you're talking trash the week of a preseason game, Manuch? A preseason <laughs> game? A preseason game? Of course, the Ravens take those very seriously. Um, Dan, hey, d- Dan, he doesn't. He doesn't know what a blue light special is at Kmart. Is, you, you know, that's we. I, no, I. You I and I get the, our pro kids there on aisle fifteen. I, under, I understood the I, dig. I'm I, not, understood. I, I am basically forty at this point, Manuch. Like I do know a few things. <laughs> um, hey, so uh, what was the reaction out there? We, we were the thing that Hollywood Brown said this week was like weird because you kind of said. Uh, okay, I guess I get it, right? Like it's it's strange. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how I react to that, but it doesn't really matter to us because he's not here anymore. What's the reaction in Arizona to Hollywood Brown saying, I, I didn't feel like they needed me to win, which is such a weird thing to say as a football player. 
You know, yeah, we talked about that the other day on the show, and, and I'm like, well, wait a second. They threw you the ball. You were a home run, uh, run hitter. You had quite a few targets. Um, did he not get enough, uh, I don't know, goodie bags in his locker uh, once a week? Um, I, I didn't really understand that. I don't ever understand it from a receiver who has as many targets, uh, who's looked upon to be that home run guy, who's in your lineup that can take it to the house at any particular time, guys. And for me as a quarterback, ex-quarterback, it's like, dude, uh, I think you should be, thank you, sir, I have another coming from the receivers. And as if he didn't get enough attention or he just isn't, uh, wasn't, I don't know, did they have a parade for him every other week? Maybe they should have. I, I don't know. It was really weird to hear a guy said that many targets, those many touchdowns, um, maybe feel like he didn't get all the accolades he needed. And so when you hear that here, he's going to be the go-to guy with, uh, D hop out the first six games. So once D hop comes in, maybe his targets are, are more limited. Are we, are we going to see a guy that's not very appreciative once D hop gets back? I don't know, Glenn, it's, it's, it, it struck me very odd too, coming from an ex quarterback perspective of, wait a second, you were pretty involved in our passing game. And I could see him involved, very involved in this passing game, the first six games, even more so. But once, everybody's on the field, how will that change or how will his attitude change? Dan, look, I, I like Hollywood, but he also had a fair share of drops here. So that number of yes. targets probably would have even been greater had they had the confidence that he was going to come down with the football. Yes, Dan, you're right. I mean, I, and that's one of the things that I, I think guys always point to, well, I was open a lot. Well, okay, but, you know, you, you everybody's open at one time, right? It, have you ever met a receiver that says he was never open? I mean, never. <laughs> you know, even when they're double covered, they're open, right? Yeah. So um, I think that's taking a point. And because, guys, he's really going to have to be that guy uh, when, when D hops out. Because you look at this receiving core, and even you guys know about James Conner coming out of the backfield. Who knew the kid could catch um, and run routes? as well as he has, yep. you guys saw him when he was, he was taking on Pittsburgh. So you look at Hollywood, you look at uh, A.J. Green, Zach Ertz, you know, Rondell Moore. I mean, you look at that core of guys that are going to have to keep it picked up for the first six games. And then when, and when D. Hopkins back in the full guys, this could be a pretty talented group of guys, you know, covering just about every space on the football field. Minucci, when I was out there with you, the Cardinals were an easy target, right? Because they just they just weren't good, and they hadn't been good. And then after I left, the Cardinals got good and went to a Super Bowl and were relevant year in and year out. <laughs> this thing that happened this summer with Kyler and the contract and the homework thing, yeah. was that looked as more of a statement about Kyler Murray? Was it looked as more embarrassing for the franchise and a reminder of how embarrassing the franchise had been in the past? Like... What was the response to that out there? Can, can, can I? This, that's a multiple choice. I can say all of the above. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I really believe it is. It, it really is because first and foremost, I think it was a shot at the kid because we had heard, you know, he he studies hard when he when he's studying, but does he put the extra time, effort, energy into um, the game tape, the game film? And guys, when you watch this this team. I hate to say it, man, they faded like tissue paper in a rainstorm five out of the last six games. Yeah, they were all And awful. you guys saw the playoff game. He looked he looked somewhat uh, miffed at some of the defenses. So I think that shot was at him. 
first and foremost, if you're going to pay him $230 million, you know, guarantee or, or uh, $230 million, which I think 130 is guaranteed. But here's the key. It's like, okay, um, Kyler, don't yell at us, the media and press for reacting. You're the guy that signed the contract that had it in there, by the way. Did you miss that? And all of a sudden becomes public by other people that read this. Oh, looks like Kyler Murray doesn't really study or do much homework. We call it homework gate, guys, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and then it became such a brouhaha. The kid pops up there on a Thursday out of nowhere. And, well, you know, I always study and blah, blah, blah. We, we, we hope so, Kyler. That's your job. But don't get mad at us. You're the guy that signed the damn thing. And so they, when they removed it, that's where that piece about the embarrassment of the organization, Glenn, what an embarrassment. The number one put it in there to maybe basically air out his dirty laundry uh, if he truly does the study. And number two, to pull it out uh, when you put it in for the first place. Right. So what the hell is it? You, you want him dialed in? You don't want him dialed in? And I think the, 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 I think the, um, the kid in the corner threw a hissy fit and the parent uh, enabled him by pulling it out of the contract. It's very weird. It was so very weird, man. <laughs> like it's already the damage is already done. No, I think Dan, I think, Dan, I think you yeah. said it perfectly. I, it, it's, it ends up being a bad look on both the team and the player. Yes, a hundred percent. So, so are this is the are the Cardinals good? Dan? Like I know this is a broad question that I'm asking, but you alluded to it. Like they were a mess down the stretch. We all know Kyler Murray is special. We know you know just how good DeAndre Hopkins is, but he's not going to be there for the first six games. Is, is this a good football team that can threaten to do something? Or it was what we saw at the end of last year, kind of more of the story of what the Cardinals are? Well, it's interesting, Glenn, because you know, remember they started off 10-2, and two, guys. I mean, and then all of a sudden they went to hell in a handbasket. It was my mother-in-law, so she went to hell in a ham basket. So I'm like, yeah, that actually sounds good. Is, I could go know? for one of those. So somebody can bring us a ham basket. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. right now. Yeah. Um, you know, guys, on paper, like, like I, I – you know, the, the offensive line's good, led by Rodney Hudson. He's, he's solid, and um, they got weapons. Once D-Hop comes back, guys, they're, they got weapons. Now, it's just the defense. When you got J.J. Watt that's winning his 55th year of, of playing, how effective is he going to be? Um, they got a good defense. Zayvon Collins, second year. Uh, Mike linebacker, how will he respond? Isaiah Simmons, phenomenal athlete. Does he stay at outside linebacker? Does he go inside, outside? I mean, for all intents and purposes, what it seemed like to me was they really got a little caught up in, in their press clipping, so to speak, and they, they didn't pay attention to detail, a lot of penalties, not a lot of turnovers, but just missed opportunities, missed throws. Um, you know, then you had D-Hop got hurt. Nobody really filled in for that role, but I think a lot of that is, is on Cliff Kingsbury, the coach. He didn't adjust, and Vance Joseph didn't adjust with their defenses to allow teams to – see them make the adjustments where the Cardinals didn't make the adjustments. So to answer your question, well, I think this is a good team. Um, will they be a 11 and six type of team or 10 and seven? They could, but I think realistically, if they follow that pattern, they'll, they'll be lucky to win seven or you know six, seven, eight games. I think a lot of the pundits are looking at because they've faded the last two years, guys. And it's like, I don't get it. I mean, so, I mean, I can tell you, I think attention to detail is the big key and then just losing their focus. What about J.J. Watt? You mentioned him, and you kidded about his age. Did, how did he look to you last year, and what are you seeing so far in training camp? I, I saw a guy that looked serviceable. Um, 
if a guy that used to play, we're used to watching him play in fifth gear, as you guys did for many years. Uh, he's in about third gear. He's, he's serviceable. He, he's good at the run, at the point of contact. Um, and the biggest key for the Cardinals will be run defense, which they were one of the worst in the National Football League last year. He's going to have to maintain his position. He doesn't get the push mm-hmm. he used to, or he doesn't have that that bull rush to get around the edge like he used to. He's still solid. He's got gap integrity. He's good around the run. Uh, the key for him, Stan, is is uh, can he stay healthy yeah. the whole year? And he's been nicked and dinged, and you know I know they hold him out. You know, if, if if a defense plays, you know, fifty five, sixty plays, he might get, you know, thirty five to forty. Um, I think they need to use him uh, judiciously, uh, just to maintain, keep him healthy. He's still solid at the point of contact and run defense, but he doesn't have the push or the rush like he used to several years ago. Ask you about one guy, Dan, uh, Baltimore native Vic Dimakaji, who's been out there, and I know he's not really kind of found his way into the mix yet um any chance that, that that's a young man that maybe has something in front of him this season well i'll tell you what we talked about him the other day he kid got a good motor uh he, he had a good impressive uh preseason game against cincinnati last week he was he heard, he got one sack and he harassed the quarterback he, he's got that that fire in his belly guys keep, keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming now um, so I think he's still got a little baby fat on him. He can tighten up and get bigger, stronger, faster. But I like his initial push and coming off the edge. And, you know, the way that they'll use him as that weak side linebacker, he can put his you know, hand in the dirt or stand up. Um, they can do a lot of stuff with that kid. I, I like him because he's just got that push. Um, and he keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. So I think he's one of those kids right now. Uh, Glenn, they've got him as a backup role behind uh, you know, Dennis Gardeck at that weak side backer. I, I think he's, he's a better athlete than Gardeck. I think Dennis, I think that uh, Dennis is just savvy, knows the defense, knows how to get there. And he's a pretty solid kid, too. So I think that at that weak side linebacker, um, they're pretty good. I would prefer, to tell you the truth, I would rather say Isaiah Simmons on the weak side linebacker okay. and have Nick Vigil, Nick Vigil come back inside um, as that inside weak side backer, I mean the uh, the left inside backer, and then Zayvon calls on the, as the as the Mike backer. Not going to be the only familiar name for Ravens fans on Sunday night. Of course, Max Williams, the former Raven, is out in Arizona still, and Trace McSorley, uh, who obviously was in Baltimore, will be out there among others that we'll see in Sunday night's game. Hey Manuch, could you send the University of Maryland a quarterback at some point, please? Could you, you know, all those guys well, that are training gonna, out there? I, you know, I will definitely do my best. I mean, they got to come knocking on my door. Yeah, right. There. But by the way, you you guys were talking about the Jets and Joe Flack, but I, I Stan, I think I might have a quarter left in me if, if the Jets are really you know hard up. For, yeah, yeah. We'll hook you up with Matt Cavanaugh. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to be a play, man. I don't think that's the case. Hey, I was one of the best holders of all time. That's right. He'll love this that's right. And he'll and he'll remind you of that constantly, just how good he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it. Tom Dempsey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Tom, the toe, yo, yeah, yeah. the toe, Tom Dempsey, out there. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. Great to hear from you, my friend. We'll we'll talk soon. All right. You are the best, Glenn. I don't care what the hell they say about you. We still love <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate Thank you, Dan. You. Dan Minucci.
former uh, Bills quarterback and uh, host on Fox Sports 910 out in Phoenix. Good does guy. he does he take it as well as he gives it? Oh, 100%. I, I, I love being around He's him. He's a great guy. And by the way, he trains all of these. So um, uh, Brock Purdy was at Iowa State, who's now at the 49ers. Bryce Perkins, who was at Virginia. That's I, 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 Is this I, something he has a business he, he himself? Runs, he calls it the lab, and he trains quarterback. Literally, and, and for a while it was very informal. Like mm-hmm. He just literally took young quarterbacks to a park in Phoenix and was like, we're going to go – you know, middle school to high school kids, and he was having such success, and and guys were accomplishing so many things that he did. That he was like, well, why wouldn't I make money doing yeah. this and like yeah. rent a place that was my own place? And um, it's remarkable. And and these guys go back and they give him all of the praise in the world and say, this dude got me to where I am. Bryce Perkins is now a Super Bowl champion, is backing up uh, Matt Stafford this year with the Rams. So. Um, I I love I love giving Manuch crap, but like he he's is good at that. He is really remarkable at what he's turned you into. Tell in Mike Loxley, you know him. I, it's time. It's yeah. time for him to make a phone call to look at some quarterbacks because yeah. that dude elevates quarterbacks. That's it's great. remarkable. Um, the maybe he could he end up in. the offensive coordinator of the Maryland Terrapins. I you know I although he loves the guy they got now. Uh, oh, Enos, yeah. yeah. Enos is a hell of a coach. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Anything we didn't get to today that was on your mind that you wanted to uh, make sure you brought up while you're hanging out with us? No, I was just curious if anybody responded to my thing about the numbers. The numbers? Gri- I didn't Griffin. get quite as much response about the numbers. Yeah. I did not see anything. Yeah, either. not specifically the mm. numbers. A lot of response on the uh, mm. Greg Roman stuff from the front of the show. I have uh, uh, audio of a Jackson Holiday uh, double. Do you want to hear it from, from earlier today? <laughs> audio? It's not a broadcast. What's it going to say? We're just going to hear how the bat yeah, sounds? Yeah, we're going to hear how the bat sounds. Sure, fine. Ooh. Wow. Well, now, who is this from? Make sure we give credit to it. Uh, Florida Prospect Report. Okay, thank you, Florida wow. Prospect Report. Yes. That's a, yeah. It sounds like when Jackson Holiday hits a double. I like the sound. Yeah. I do. Great I'm not going to lie. I do what like number was he wearing? Yeah, right? That's important. Stan needs to get to the bottom of the numbers situation. Can you see? He's, he's trying to magnify Number it. one. Number one. Number one. Oh. I like that number one. You okay with that? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Okay. I like... Uh, That's Tim Beckham's number. Because he's got a little more power... You know, at the shortstop position, I'm thinking eventually. You think he needs like, a double-digit like number? A, no, I like a nine. A nine. I like a four. nine. Okay. All right. What is your... You, you like Gunnar with nine as well. What are your inherent rules for there, number I selection? I haven't really... This has just been coming to me. Because I know this is going to sound crazy. Your theory about numbers, what I would say is... Yeah. Someone with power should have two digits. The single-digit numbers should belong to the speedsters. The single-digit numbers should be the guys... Well, Cal Ripken, though, was a single-digit. Oh, that's digit. true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Brian Mountcastle is a single... <sighs> See, I don't like Mountcastle as a single-digit. You think he should be a double-digit guy? He should be a double-digit guy. got it. Who do we see about this? What do we, do we need a, who, which senator do we write to? Is this a Van Holland <laughs> thing? Like, I think how do we, Chris Van Holland. How do yeah. we go about handling this in the press? Stan, did you know we're giving away free money? Did you know that? Who's giving away? Pressbox is giving away free money. I, I know you're thinking. Where, I know you're thinking to yourself, "Where's yours?" Where's I understand money. Yeah. Well, you got it. You got it. You got to do something. What do you got to do? You got to go to playwithswagger.com/pressbox, and when you do that, we're just going to give you ten bucks. Ten bucks. It's yours. Go to playwithswagger.com. Can I take that ten bucks and go to Glory Days? No, you have to play Swagger with, with that ten dollars, okay. but it's still free, and you could turn that ten dollars. And do a hundred dollars, and you can take those hundred dollars, and you can go to Glory Days Grill to t- to pay off your bet with Griffin and I. At could that I point. turn ten dollars into a thousand? You most certainly could. And in fact, it. Might- How do I do that? So here's the deal: not only are you going to get ten dollars free, explain when you it sign to up, me, yeah, Lucy. Not only are you going to get those ten dollars free when you sign up, yeah, but on top of that, 
We're going to match that first deposit you make up to $100. So you could get $110 worth of free money and never have to use your $100. The $100 you put in, you may never you might pull that right back out down the road because you didn't need it because you kept winning with the $110 that we gave you to play for free. And what's this called? So swagger Swagger. Is, you know, we were talking earlier about the fact that you still can't bet on your phone or on your computer in the right. state of Maryland. Right. You, you're going to avoid Whitey Bulger because, you right. know, the cops might be listening. This is very cool and very legal, as our former president liked to say. And he actually means it this time. <laughs> um, this is player props and parlay. So right now for baseball season, okay, you could go tonight. So I can't bet outcomes of games. Not outcomes of games. Okay, this is props. What you're doing is you're betting player. But that's the way that they get around whether, you know, this gotcha. is, it's a fantasy game. Gotcha. But you're not playing against anybody else. This isn't for the marks. This isn't for, you know, the pros are trying to get you in. You're the fish. They're the shark. It's not like that. You're playing against the house. So you can pick, say, four player props tonight. I'll tell you what. Let's pull up. I'm going to go right now. Go to playwithswagger.com. Playwithswagger. Playwithswagger.com is the website. Again, playwithswagger.com slash pressbox is how you sign up in order to get the $10 free and match that first $100 okay. deposit. So we go there, and we look at tonight's game. Now, you can use all of the games tonight. You don't have to choose specifically one game, the Orioles game, but I'm just going to look at the Orioles game for the sake of the conversation, right? You okay. could... Pick from any game you like, and you combine props in certain games. You can go that route. Griffin's been trying that. I haven't. I've been has, trying real hard. He's not been succeeding just yet, but he's going to keep going. I he's am. not giving I, I up. Need, I took I a night appreciate. off last night, which I think I needed. Recharge. Yeah. 100%. And I'm going to have a. I'm going to have a strong weekend. Get your mind more clear. So, of course, we know the Orioles are hosting the Red Sox tonight. So I pull up that game, and for example, uh, they have both the Action X setup and the Pick X setup. We're going to go to Pick X. Jordan Lyles. Two walks or more. Against the Red Sox, I'm, I'm a more than two walks. Okay, so that, if we play that, that'll get us 50 points. So file that away. Okay. All right. I'm going to play I'm gonna play a ticket based on your suggestions, okay. Stan. I'm yeah. going to play a ticket. I feel like Stan's going to be really good at this. We're going to play a $2 ticket on Stan's suggestions. Yeah. Uh, let's go Cedric Mullins, two or more hits or less than two hits. Less than two hits. Not going to get us a lot of points. Only gets us 31, but I agree with you, so we'll play it. All right? How about Adley Rutschman total bases? Mm. Two or more or less than two? I'm going to say two or more. I'm going to agree with you, and that gets us 55 points. That is the underdog in that setup. So we need at least one more in order to buy our ticket. So how they're going, about... They're going, for Cutter, they're going against Cutter Crawford. Cutter Crawford, yeah. yes, is pitching for the Red Sox. Now, all right, so some Cutter options Crawford. for Cutter Crawford. Cutter Crawford earned runs. Three or more or less than three. As Peter Schmuck just pointed out, Orioles haven't been doing a lot against starting do pitching we, recently. Do we have to do that one? We don't have to do that okay, one. We could do go to another We one. could do Cutter Crawford strikeouts. Four strikeouts or more or less than four strikeouts. He, I'd say four, four or more. That is the favorite in that scenario. Okay, forty-one points. So, but but winning is better than losing. I understand. Losing. So we got one hundred and seventy-seven points okay. available to us on our ticket right now. We could play more. We could put more props on I mean, to try to could win. Go five. five we could try to win. Let's more. do one more. You want to? You want to do one more? Yeah. Right, so let's so do uh, one more. We another do, one involved the Red Sox. Another one involving the Red Sox. How about uh, Raphael Devers? Two hits or more, or less than two hits. And who's pitching tonight? It's Jordan Lyles. 
JD two. Martinez is five for eleven off of Lyles. Ooh, what are the? Hang on, what's the JD <sighs> Martinez prop? JD Martinez is two total bases or more, or less than two total bases. All five hits are singles, so you'll need two of those. Two singles. I would say there's a decent chance he'll get more. So more you want to play two? Or I mean, more. no. Let's go back to Devers. Is there okay. another prop with Devers? Devers. The only one that's available is two hits or more. Or I, I'm going to take two hits or more. All right. So that's a big favorite. That's uh, a big underdog. So that's 65 points. that's wow. available to us. Do you have what uh, Devers? Devers, is, yeah, Devers is four for eleven with two doubles and two singles off of Lyles. Okay, so that's, that's like not bad. Yeah, that's, that's I'm going to say that he's going right. to get more than... So we're going to play a $3 ticket, all right? all right? So that $3 ticket could win us $12, all right? If we hit everything, it wins us $12. But this is the great thing about Swagger. You actually don't have to hit everything. So if, it, if I hit four or five, you I could st- win nine dollars. Okay. If we go four or five, I like the sound of that. You could is we would need the Devers one because that gets us the most points. There's math that we could at least get it. So we're gonna play a three dollar ticket. If we get hundred and fifty points, so if we right. go three for five, we could get four fifty back. So okay. we could still so make money. We would make some money in that process. That's the cool thing about Swagger is unlike when you bet a parlay and you have to hit everything, there is some wiggle room there that based on the points that you bet for, you could just go three out of five and if you go three out of five you could still be a winner you don't get the big prize necessarily the 12 bucks there on a three dollar ticket and i could up that if i played right. a five dollar ticket that be, number would go know, up to 20 bucks right, right? like gotcha. i'm just playing a simple three dollar ticket because gotcha. we're having fun learning how this works All right. so those are the inherent advantages don't have to win everything it's not a true parlay bet you just have to win enough in order to win money and we're giving you free money we're literally giving you money to play with Swagger. $10 free when you sign up. They'll match up to $100 when you're so first if I deposit. D- if I deposited $100, you get $100. Get $100. So you, you would end up having $210 in your account because you'd have your $100, the $100 they matched, and then the $10 you got for free for signing okay. up. So you'd have $210 in your account if you went and deposited $100 well, I could right play now. all season long. And football's coming? Yeah. So well, you got swagger for football too. On, it's actually for every sport, for all the major pro sports, it is available. And I think even like F one and things like that, you can play. That's not my world, but they uh, soccer you can definitely play on swagger. And again, free money. Play with swagger dot com slash. Oh, that's tennis ones, Glenn. I did not realize that. Well, do you want to look at? Uh, not right now. I don't have time right now, but we will in the future. Tidbit is brought to you today by Simply the Bets, uh, which returns on Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. every Tuesday at 11.40 for Simply the Bets. Every other Thursday at 11.40 for Weekend at Bookies. All brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Uh, Felix Auger Aliasim won last night. I by the did. Way. That's right. That was good that was news close. for you and close. your uh, your preposterous prop that you're trying to pay off. My gratuitous group. Oh, sorry. That's what yeah. it is. My fault. Alliteration being what it is. <laughs> uh, so Joey Crable, uh, he let up two homers yesterday. Um, that brings his total up to six home runs that he's allowed now on the season. So I was thinking about, uh, you know, what guys have let up the most home runs like in a season, specifically with the Orioles. And uh, so Crable's let up six. Keegan Aiken currently leads the team. He's let up nine this season uh, in 2022. Um, but that's going to lead me to my question of, so since 2009, I want to know what Oriole relief pitchers have let up the most home runs in a season. Since 2009. Since 2009, yeah, I wanted to it's cut it very off. Very unique. Well, just because uh, at that point I I didn't recognize the names, so oh, God. I wanted to cut it off. Most home runs in a season. 
Uh, okay, so it's, so right now, uh, uh, Aiken is at nine. So I want to so I want to know. There's ten guys that have let up ten plus since 2009 as a relief pitcher for the Orioles. There's how many? Ten guys. Ten guys that have I, let up ten more than ten ten or more home runs as a reliever. So I'm feeling like it's got to be in the last couple of years when they were just yes, yeah. There's, there's good. There's a good number of them. Uh, 2019. How about Jimmy Yakabonus? Jimmy Yakabonus uh, has not let up ten home runs as okay, an Oriole because he didn't pitch enough innings, right? Yeah. In order to be able to do it, I'm trying to the 2019. It's just fun. God, the team is so bad. It's hard to remember even who was in that <laughs> bullpen. Yeah, Asher Wojciechowski. No, 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 he was a starting yeah, pitcher, no, but too. I thought he was working from the bullpen for a little no. while. All right. God, I, th- those names out of that pen. See, guy, Givens? Yep, Michael Givens left up 13. Okay. Well, second most was, in this span. Yeah. 13. What about Castro? Yep, Miguel Castro, also 2019, let up 10 homers. But you got a good memory. That's all I'm coming up it. with, though. Oh, it's only nine nine player list because Givens appears twice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Things are going well for old Mike Givens. Um, <laughs> well, what do we turn what we turn him into? Uh, God, they traded him to Colorado for yeah. was that the Vavra? Vavra, oh, yeah. Vavra, Vavra and Devin. Yeah. Yep. And he's now with the Mets. Right. Yeah. He went right. from the Colorado right. to the Cubs, and the Cubs traded him. All right. Let's see. Let me try to think. Let's think of some. Yeah. yeah guy who was uh, 2018 guy. He he was a starter for a little bit. Uh, I think he, I guess in 2018 he started in the pen, and then 2019 I think he started. Took a uh, no who's the guy Who's the guy that they signed that had been a fairly decent starter? It was the first year Elias signed him. He was out there, uh, and he was just so bad. And he'd been with the Marlins. Um. Oh God! You know who I'm talking? I, I Dan St- Dan Straley. Oh, yep. Thank Dan you, Dan Straley. Yes. Yes. yes, he is. Yes, Dan he is. Straley. Dan Great Straley. Call. Also yeah. let up ten homers in 2019. Yeah. Um. All right. All right. Then we have 2018. You're saying? Yeah, 2018 guy. And, and there was a guy was a last starter, year. There was a starter. It was a starting guy, pitcher. We, we had him on the show How about Mike Wright this year. Yes, Mike, Mike Wright. Wright. Yep, that's the one. Mike Wright. Good call. Mike um, Wright led up 11 homers in 2018. Last Spencer Watkins? Not Spencer Watkins. Who else did we have on the show? I'm earlier? trying to think. Uh, no, that that was Mike Wright. That was, oh. That was Mike oh. Wright. Yeah. Mike Wright. Um, I'm trying to think. Let me let me think of a how I can give a hint. I don't, for Mike Wright I don't, on the don't show. think Zach Lowther pitched enough. Nope, not Zach Lowther. Okay. Somebody last year. Yeah, no longer on the team. No longer on the team. Let up 15 homers, which is tied for the most by in, in by an Orioles reliever all time. Jeez, God. Who was that bad? Uh, let's see. He was with Cleveland. Oh, um, Plutko. Yep, Adam Plutko. Oh, Adam God. 15 homers Great. in 2021. Yeah. Wow. God, the first month, three weeks of the season – I thought he was like the greatest pickup mm-hmm. that they had. That's how the bar was yeah, so well, low. Correct. And then he went higher. I mean, he went All way right. over. All right, now I have four guys from 2009 right, we, I, to we, we got to wrap up. You guys just All right, Tommy me. Hunter, let up 11 uh, in probably, 2013. Probably could have gotten that. Brian actually. Bass, 11 in 2009. Could have been here all day without me Jason Birkin, let up 10 in 2011. And Alfredo Simone. 10 homers God, in 2010. I don't remember him. I remember Alfredo. Wasn't Alfredo the Simone the one that fired the gun? Yes, that was Wasn't Alfredo. that the story Alfredo on Alfredo Simone? Simone. And then, so he fired next. the gun, then he went to Cincinnati. And he right, was, actually, he was, was a, pretty a quality starter. starter. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, that's being, that guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. All right, Tubular <laughs> brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's where you want to be tomorrow night for UFC 278. Reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Orioles Red Sox throughout the weekend, as we just mentioned, Jordan Lyles on the mound tonight against Cutter Crawford, 7 o'clock on Masson. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock on Masson, Michael Waka and Kyle Bradish. 
And Sunday night on ESPN, uh, it's Nick Pavetta and Dean Kramer. That's at 7 o'clock. Ravens-Cardinals, Sunday night at 8. It's on Fox. It's a national game because who doesn't want to see the big Anthony Brown, Trace McSorley showdown? I'm imagining it'll pull huge numbers in Boise. Um, as we mentioned, UFC 278. Everything else, go to glennclarkradio.com. Don't forget the uh, CFL tonight on ESPN+. Plus. That's not uh, a concern of mine, but I get why of, it matters yeah. to you. Anything non-sports-wise that stands uh, out? Stand, standouts, not a whole lot. New new show called Echoes on Netflix. Could be interesting. New show on Apple TV called Bad Sisters. That one also looks kind of interesting. Like these like thriller series that they're okay. trying to put together. Uh, the rehearsal finale, Nathan Fielder's show on HBO, oh, right. yeah. is tonight. And then the big thing is uh, HBO House of Dragons, the Game of Thrones. Uh, the prequel, right? Yeah, I guess so. I, yeah. Uh, I, not into I that. was not a Game of Thrones guy either. Neither was I. Yeah, honestly. but so that is uh, nine o'clock. On Sandy, Sunday did you watch? Uh, were you on the final season of Better Call Saul? Did you? No, I watched parts of it. It okay. was entertaining. It just didn't capture it me. It plotted. Anymore. I mean, it yeah. definitely there was. It was plotting. There's no doubt that. But it was. I love Bob Odenkirk. He's unbelievable. He's on, you know they're doing a Nobody Part Two. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, he was I'm, great. He was that. wonder. Yeah. I mean, everything about it was wonderful. Christopher yeah. Lloyd was wonderful. I am really excited about Nobody Part Two. Did it make a lot? It must have made a lot of money. It was like the only movie that still came out during the pandemic, and right. so I don't know. Like it made money in the theaters, but every, apparently everybody watched because it. there was just nothing else right. to right. watch. Right. And as it turns out, it was really entertaining. It was a really fun, fun movie. I really enjoyed that. All right, did Stan. you ever watch Tropo? No, I remember you telling me about Tropo. I gotta watch. I do have to it's watch an Australian Tropo. Yeah, series. I gotta watch that. I and gotta, do you have Hulu? I do have Hulu. Do, have you watched Mister In Between? No. The best, maybe the really? best show of all time. Really? Yeah. Mr. In-Between. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll give it a look. Did you watch the Manti Teo thing? The who? The Netflix did a Manti Teo documentary. No. Did you watch? Oh, I, it is fascinating. I would take a look at it. Okay. It's really, it's two parts. It's not. What's the name of it? Uh, Untold. It's okay. a series they do about sports stories. Okay. Um. I think they're doing a Tim Donaghy one later this season, uh, but Manti Teo was directly involved, as was the Catfisher, was directly involved with this. It's a two-part thing. It's, oh, wow. It is fascinating. I mean, it is very compelling. I'd encourage you to take a look at it. All right, at Stan the Fan on Twitter, Monday, Pat, you and... Six o'clock, Ross Grimsley and I, and we'll figure something out. No doubt. And, of course, power guesses. rankings on Monday as well at PressBoxOnline.com. Yep. Yep. Go get the new print issue, and you'll be on tomorrow morning with uh, Paul and Zach on the bat rounds. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's tomorrow morning, 10 to noon, Paul and Zach on the bat around. Thanks today to uh, Peter Schmuck. You got to stay. Boy, he was really ready to leave you hanging there. He was really ready to just let you no, I would, linger for an I just, hour. I didn't see it. It was my fault. Though. Thanks to Peter Schmuck. Thanks, Tim Kirkshen. Thanks to Dan Minucci. We'll get all up in the greatest hits section of the <laughs> tab at glennclarkradio.com. We'll be back on Monday. Jeremy Connell join us. Stuff and things. Uh, read a nice Sunday from 1 to 4 on 105.7 The Fan. Have a great weekend. Oh, thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners, everybody at PressBox, as well as Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Great Eights Memorabilia, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Visit Howard County, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.